RootsOfTheSwampThing.com, your definitive online source for all things Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing is heating up. A brand new series coming from Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. A brand new TV series on DC's streaming service online. RootsOfTheSwampThing.com. A lot of stuff about his history, what he's doing today, and everything in between. Go to RootsOfTheSwampThing.com for more information. Welcome to Wednesday Comics. Brought to you by RootsOfTheSwampThing.com and Supercon 2018, Return of the Con. Hey everyone, keep turning those pages. Welcome to Wednesday Comics. To my right, we have Peter Parker himself. Alex, how you doing? Hello, everybody. And across me, Invisible Woman himself, Garrett, how you doing? All right. And I am your host, Mr. Fantastic himself, Marvin. This is the Wednesday Comics Podcast. This is for November 14th. The books came out November 14th, 2018. We are here first to talk about some free talk, get into some uh, reviews for some books, and then a special, very special um special feature uh because today is second third time probably third time i think uh me and alex a little papa show of course papa one papa two uh i don't go by the other anymore because that guy turned out to be racist so i can't associate myself with him <laughs> but um uh when it becomes hunting season that's when me and alex get some free time because invisible woman garrett oh sorry he can't talk he's invisible uh he goes uh hunting and so all we get is the spirit of a Garrett, and he's sitting in that chair over there. But he turns out can't talk. Once you're in the spirit world, you really can't talk, I guess. So Garrett is off in the woods, uh, doing looking for that Sasquatch. Probably he heard our our supernatural show and decided to go check it out himself. He heard that. Remember that uh, voice one nine one call? I wonder if he is, listened to that when he's out there. But he is scared crapless. I should text him, be like, "Hey, do you find that Bigfoot?" Because I mean. Uh, you heard that voice. Well, that guy was scared. Mm-hmm. And I'd be scared, too, if you saw Bigfoot out there. And uh, that's where he is. So he's out in the hills. He's uh, chasing Bigfoot. Uh, he bought a tag for him, I heard. So he's out there. You might, you're going to hear Garrett in this show here. He, he sent in his reviews. He did a little uh, pre-show work uh, for once in his life. And so he sent in his reviews, and we got that on the docket here. But first, uh, something actually uh, not funny, but uh, let's get serious for a second. Something we do every once in a while. We get serious in the show. Uh, Stan Lee passed away. And so I kind of thought we should talk about it. I mean, the man's a legend in the business. We've talked about him before. And um, I just wanted to say, so, okay, Stanley Martin Lieber, 95 years old. He was going to be 96, December 28, 1922 is his birthday. It was almost here. American comic book writer, editor, publisher, 1940s to about 2010. He was still doing a little bit of work here and there towards the end. Uh, 1940s. So Stanley uh, first got his break in the business he was the janitor. His cousin hired him. And there was so much work to do. Eventually, his cousin was like, hey, nobody cares about those books. You should write them. And then that's how he got started writing these books. They did genre books back then, like westerns and horror books. And then when the comic code came, you couldn't really do horror books anymore or crime books. That's when it was like, okay, let's do something else. And he you know, raced, raced through the ranks and eventually you became publisher. And uh, you know, he thought he was like, 
he was up the the classic story that everybody knows is like he was like saying to himself he said to his wife and he was like i really don't want to do this anymore because i can't do what i want and it seems like this is a dead-end job for me i think i just want to quit and she said if you're gonna quit why don't you do what you want first and if you get fired over it what are you to lose you're gonna quit anyways so that's how he did. He went out, and him and Jack Kirby did uh, Fantastic Four. America was always oh, me the world's greatest uh, magazine, and uh, that was the start of what we know today as the Marvel Universe. You know, and that's the thing. I've been hearing a lot of stuff over the last. Uh, when did he pass away? Tuesday. It's Tuesday or Monday. Um, and this recording this on a, a Saturday, and you're probably hearing this on a Sunday, but at the very earliest a Sunday. Uh. People say, you know, he did a lot for the business. We will give him that. Uh, he created a lot of characters. Peter Parker, uh, probably the most popular one. Spider-Man is probably the most popular Marvel character, I would say. Uh, most recognizable. Uh, my son knows who Spider-Man is. So the man did a lot for this business. He was one of the people also, if you know anything about Marvel history, was one of the ones that was really pushing for them to go into movies and TV to, like, make sure the characters lived on beyond the comics if anything were to happen. Like, he wanted to make sure everybody could enjoy these characters. And I think he succeeded. And he had fun doing it. He was in those cameos. And, like, that was a dream from him. From, from his perspective, That's he's been trying to do, to do that since the 70s. And so for him to finally get that, I see why he has so much fun with that. So, But I think we have to give it up for a man that had great collaborators. Jack Kirby, Namasiding, uh, uh Steve Ditko, uh, anybody he's worked with throughout the years, so, you know Jerry Conway, everybody, um, even as an editor or publisher, the man did great things. Sometimes uh, people don't see him in the greatest light because of some stuff he did. But also, I've I've heard him, you know, kind of have regret doing that kind of stuff. So the man overall is a stable of this industry. Uh, influenced a lot of people. Who influenced a lot of people? Who influenced a lot of people? It's like four generations deep now, and he's going to continue doing that because the man, for one thing. Something that was very easy to not do is back in... I don't have any here anymore, but uh, it's in my son's room. Um, something that was very... It would be very easy for him to in the 1960s, 70s to turn a blind eye to civil rights and uh, rights of others. But he was the first one when they were like, hey, uh, you need to write a comic with a black superhero. And instead of making a stereotypical black superhero, he made Black Panther, who was the king of a nation. And their nation wasn't some rundown nation it was the most technology uh technological events nation in the world and also like spider-man had issues about like protesting about civil rights the x-men mm-hmm. like you made the x-men to prove that even though you're different doesn't mean you're bad and uh that's a direct stanley quote and so like at a time when it would be easy to be like oh let's just do let's not get involved in that and i know a lot of times today people are like hey don't put your politics in my comic books it's been just since the beginning and that's because of stanley like that's been just the beginning for him to be like hey we can use this medium to be more than just these books. We can use this medium to tell people, like, these are superheroes. They wouldn't turn a blind eye to this. They would be involved in this. And so for that aspect also, I think he was a fort, uh, fort runner, trailblazer in that aspect. And so, uh, you know, 95 is not a bad age. No, that's, it is a, that's an immaculate age, actually. It is sad. I mean, the last couple of years, he's had it a little rough. So uh, his wife died last year. So, um, 95 is not a bad year, though. So I'm, I'm not, not a bad length of a... He had a great life, a big life. and uh, Well, and, and you talked about the, the ripples that that man had. He 
for the last, what, 70 years, almost 80 years, has been working on comics, has been a staple of comics, has lent a hand or lent some advice to, I'm guessing, many, many a creative team. Um, I mean, how do you... I'm surprised it's not a bigger deal. And maybe it is. Like, when I've been watching the news, no one's talked about it. It's not... Oh, yeah, internet. You got to go to the internet. Page. Okay. Uh, the thing is, also, like, this is how big he is. He passes away, and my wife knows who he is and what he... He was a comic writer. There's nobody shows any other comic writers. So, like, that's how big he is. He transcends the medium to be a celebrity on his own. But also, like... He was big and loud. I mean, we'll talk about a book later, Mr. Miracle. There's a character based on him in there. And, like, uh, he even, like, in the comic book, it's like he's bigger than life in the comic book. I mean, in the world, he was. Mm -hmm. So, this is a man that I, uh, my hat, that I am actually wearing a hat. That's that metaphorical. And uh, I say, like, it is sad of his passing, but he lived a full life. He lived the life, I feel like, in the best way that he thought possible. And even sometimes people would make mistakes. Uh, he uh, tried to make up for them. And at the end of the day, this man uh, started something. Uh, I mean, even if he wasn't the first, because Action Comics and that kind of started superheroes, he was the one that kind of defined it in the terms of like uh, full universe. He was the one of the first ones to do that. And in terms of like, let's make comic books more than they than just funny pages. So, or funny than funny books. So, uh, Stanley? Ninety-five years. Thank you for everything you've given us as fans of comics, as fans of the movies, of just fans of enjoying a hobby. Uh, would not have been possible without you, Stanley. Thank you. Um, you know he wrote some DC stuff, very very small, like Justice League. Oh, really? Yeah, he did. So go find that if you can. Stanley, I've been reading. I read some uh, Fantastic Four and. Uh, so a lot of those issues, especially Silver Surfer, like that kind of stuff, that's good Stanley and Jack Kirby too. I was watching like Jack Kirby's art during that part is amazing. But if you want to, if you if you're hearing about this and you're like I've never read any kind of Stanley or anything like that, that Silver Surfer fan, uh, uh, Fantastic Four kind of era, read that. Hmm. I would say, especially Silver Surfer. I think that, you know the one thing you say Silver Surfer never been a character that I've been super. He's never been that interesting to me. Oh, I like him in the Jack Kirby stuff. Maybe the art's really great. You don't like him in the Rise of the Silver Surfer, that movie? Uh, well, I love Actually, that. Actually, that movie is not bad. We're talking about love or like? Because <laughs> if we're talking about love, of course I love that movie. Of course. Number I love one. any kind of Fantastic Four. I'm, you told, I told you last week, I'm biased. So the wait, effort, wait, wait, wait. If you're biased, do you actually enjoy... Miles Teller version? Love it. Is that the most recent one? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> let's get into some uh, reviews. Uh, Gideon Falls, number eight. That is Jeff Lemire, Andrea Sorrentino. Who you got an issue? Has it been a while for an issue? I no, feel no, like. it came out in October. Okay, it was okay. Like the first, but it was the, short. That's what it was. Yeah. So it feels like we have not that, that issue seven. We read fast. That was a quick, quick. Well, quick there's a lot issue. of two page spreads, you know. So you got to read through it fast. This issue here, we have uh, Norton himself, Father. What's his name? Uh, Father Ted. No, no it's like Fred. I think it's Father Fred. Well. Wilfred, I think. So I think they call him Fred. Oh, really? Father Fred. So FF over there in uh, Norton. Uh, we get two stories. By the way, I was assumed that the father story was in the past and Norton was current day. 
but there's a good chance. I thought they were concurrent. I thought they were going on the Well, see, time. I thought concurrent, too. And then there were some hints two issues ago where I'm like, hey, maybe this one's in the past. And then this issue, I'm like, maybe the father thing's in the future. But also, I feel like time's all fucked up. So, um, as a fan of Dark Tower, it's very Dark Tower-esque. And it's like, there's a lot of messing with time, messing with what is reality. I take my glasses off. Um, <laughs> I turn my headphones. <laughs> I take my glasses off. Uh, and I, so, uh, Gary, you hear him later. We, t- uh, we listen to his voicemail already. He said that he feels like it's more of a mystery now than a horror, but this issue really felt like a horror issue. Uh, with the Norton in the basement, Norton in the cell. I see. It felt like an Arkham Asylum part where <clears throat> this doctor has come in from the last issue. That like the chief psychologist or psychiatrist comes and collects him in the last issue and brings him back to the asylum, telling uh, his doctor, uh, Chu Zhu, yeah, telling her that you're not, you're not. Um, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're having this intimate relationship with Norton. That's not allowed. I could very well have you taken out of not practicing. And uh, she's like, I just have nothing to do with it. I'm helping him get through his stuff. Then I mean, that's you, also scary, right? That you okay. could be locked up for nothing. Then you're getting these flashbacks of him having this being locked up in the basement, seeing our uh, big smiley Joker friend. Yeah. Which I'm I'm guessing that symbolism is it's the doctor. If it's not the doctor, actually. That doctor's pretty close to being that guy. He looks almost exactly like him. And I think in the last issue, we kind of had a hint of that when it went from the doctor's face to that guy's face. Uh, so that part itself, that's very horror. And then we go to Father Fred. And even that is, even though it's not full on creepazoid like the uh, Norton one, it's still scary. Mm-hmm. Like they go to, uh, what's his name's house? Um, do you remember what his name was? What's what's he? The uh, bus driver they find out? Uh, Something R. Rhett. I thought it was Danny Rhett. So they go to his house, and then uh, Father Father Fred's seen all this bullshit, and he finds these photos, and they find out these photos of Norton, and that's even a little creepy. Like, what's going on here? I think the, the thing I love most about this book is that every issue, I feel like I know what's going on, but also have no clue what's going on. Like, it's enough to be like, I'm with the characters. Like, I'm not confused on what's going on because of the book. I'm, the characters also are confused. Yeah. And um, uh, so I'm enjoying it with them and trying to figure out with them. But also, you're afraid of what you don't know. And the book really is great about doing that. The art's great for that. Oh, this, I, I think. So we're reading. Uh, oh, shit. What was Nick Spencer's book? Secret Empire. Yeah. And Sorrentino is doing the art in that book, and it just did not feel like Sorrentino. And if this is what he had been working on, I realized issues seven and eight just came out in the last two months. These are probably a little bit after he had gotten started. Uh, all that effort and all that crap that we may have gotten, not crap, but um, less subpar material. I feel like um, he got taken off Old Man Logan for this book. That's where Jeff found him was like, oh. hey, let's. I want to do something with you. That's not Old Man Logan. And that's where they went off and did this. So. Okay. Actually, that make, that does make more sense because he had been gone already from Old Man Logan before even Secret Empire came out. Yeah. And then Secret Empire, they just were like, hey, that was like work he had promised before he left. And so he kind of fulfilled that. Yeah. But Jeff was like, hey, I got this thing we want. I want to do. And so this, this book looks amazing. <clears throat> it does. The panel layouts are 
I mean, they are what we expect from Sorrentino, but also I feel like elevated. Like this is be- one of some of his best work I've seen. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Sorrentino is one of the best at that that mode of he needs you to look at this one thing instead of blowing up the whole screen. It's you blow up this one little circle, one little square focuses on that pocket that you're looking at. Here's the specific thing you should be seeing as the reader. Uh, no one else does it better. <clears throat> and I I realize every <clears throat> shit I got like a frog or <laughs> something stuck in my throat. It's very uh, cinematic. It, well, it is. This this book reads. I'm okay. I am totally against things getting TV shows or movies, and it's not because I don't think it it can't fulfill that 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 need. But some things just need to be a book. But this is one of those I could actually support it having a a TV show or a movie that's going to be coming out. It just it's so beautiful, and I think Jeff is nails every book he's on. Like when we were reading Century, I was a little weary about that book. That man knows how to tell a story and knows how to be all sorts of. Um, he's a jack of all trades. He knows how to write every genre. Uh, I, I just it. looked up because I I feel like it was already picked up for TV series, and it is. So. Oh really? Yeah. I think all Jeff Lemire stuff is now getting. Uh, so you showed me today. Sweet Tooth is getting Sweet Tooth, uh, Black Hammer. This. Uh, I wouldn't surprise if you see Royal Cinder pretty soon, but Descender probably. Descender. Marvel have to catch up. Ascender. On it. Ascender. Even before it's counted, it's already got. I mean. I feel I feel like like what you're saying is probably the most reason why all the stuff's getting picked up because it's not all the same. Like when you read a story by him, it's it's a different genre, but also it's uh, fully fleshed out, and so and it's consistent and it's coming out, and it's by the end we have a full story, and so that's why people are like, hey, like let's pick up this. I know a, it's all going to come out, and b, it's good enough content, and then the different kind of thing people that are picking them up is all over the place. It's not just one kind of uh channel or group so and that is from the genre changing that he does well and it makes sense i mean even in the comic book industry he's rights for everything dark horse image dc marvel well whoever have the story whoever's got it and wants him to write it he's there for you uh this was a strong nine for me i love this issue um i'm i'm torn between either an eight or a nine i mean it wasn't perfect this wasn't a 10 for me Nothing super, super exciting. Or... It definitely was an issue where we're transitioning between two different things. But yep. I, f- I just love the way that he writes. I d- something about the dialogue I love. And my favorite characters in this one, so I'd give it a nine. That demon, demon bad guy. Anytime Joker he shows thing. up, that's just he really does. And I think sort of. I mean, I don't think the face has changed since the first time we've seen it, but it just shows up at different parts or different. I mean, now that I think it's the doctor, it's even more scary. So I'd give this book a nine. Alex, what else did we get? I got a frog in my throat. I told you. <laughs> we got Skyward number eight, written by Joe Henderson, and art by Lee Garbay. Uh, this is a Garrett and myself book. So we got Willa, our main character, is on this farm, uh, just being saved by those giant dragonflies by Luke, the leader of this, uh, we thought to be a rebellion group, then to find out it's actually one of the barrier or is it Bar- I wish Garrett was here to, can, to tell me. I believe the bad guy's name is Barrier. <clears throat> or Barrio. Whatever. Whoever it is. It is a farm owned by him. And obviously farming is hard to do when you have no gravity. And these dragonflies raided this farm. So what do you do when something kills your uh, your livestock? You go kill the bugs. And the bugs are actually what is being used to feed everybody. So the main, guy, the main girl... Is uh, actually kind of flirting with this. Uh, who we think? I 
I don't. It was hard to decide if he was a bad guy or if he was a good guy, or he's just kind of working a an angle. Well, it turns out he is working an angle, flirting it up with Willa, and the the friend Edison is like, "Whoa, that's my girl!" Even though he hasn't told her that he likes her, and she's oblivious to anything. Um, but Willa's on a mission. She's going to Chicago. Needs to get the uh, gravity back. And then a little bit in the way here is this farm. Well, to find out at the end of this issue that you think this whole crew actually works for the bad guy. And it actually turns out they want the bad guy there to be safe. They want themselves to be safe because they caught the bad guy. <clears throat> this is one of those books that I think, I think... I can get Marvin talked into reading. This is this is really great. That issue one, honestly, that first four issues when they're in the city is amazing. Like they look so good. The idea is so fresh. Now we're getting into that little bit of a we're getting on the adventure, which I'm cool with the adventure, but I'm also kind of like I don't want to forget the the fundamentals that made this book so strong. And I'm kind of I'm actually kind of curious now if the big boss is in this farming building are we getting near an end of this book i hope not i hope this is a, a long-running book i want this to be kind of that um well i believe uh not to spoil but in garrett's uh voicemail he said eight of twelve. Oh, really i believe he i wonder where he's i don't know if he if that's information that he knows but uh i wonder where he saw that then because i don't remember seeing a an eight of twelve or anything like that i mean which is fine i'm I am all about a book only having so many issues where as long as you're telling me the story that you want me to know, that's by all means great. But when I'm looking on previous world right now, I'm not seeing a an end to this book, which is kind of disappointing because there's another book that we were reading, Garrett and I, and Coyote has actually ended. Had I thought it was only going to be four years to run. Turned out they're going to extend it to a second run. I know this isn't what we're talking about, but just to spoil it for Garrett if he hasn't gotten to it yet. Coyotes is done. That makes me sad. That was a good book. That art looked fantastic. Uh, like another what issue was it on? It was on eight. So it's two arcs worth of story. And it just ended? Yeah. Okay. I was with the, the final written page of what he had sent going, oh, yeah, we had a good run with this. You know, spent three years working on this. I was like, oh, shit, we're done? What the hell? Anyway, Skyward, uh, great book. I think it's one of those books that... We're in that now. We're in that weird transition of a second arc. We're going to get into the third one and eventually get into the third one. I I love this book. This is a strong, strong nine for me. Um, this first volume is on Hoopla, so read it if it is on or if it is ending soon. Then that would mean there's probably what two trades. First trade is probably what's the first arc? Probably one through five. Okay, so it's probably three trades at most, or maybe they'll. Extend this last trade to get the last seven if books. If it is 12, who knows? Yeah, this maybe is, not. Maybe maybe news, Garrett told know. us wrong. He's out hunting. Maybe got confused with Bigfoot. That's Squatch out there. So he's just... Garrett will let you know what he thought, but uh, I, I had a question. Yeah. Um, I heard information this is a world without auction. Is that true? Uh, that would be false. If anyone tells you that, they should probably scratch that from their wordage because they're wrong. <laughs> what else did we get? Oh, am I going next? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't have it pulled up. Uh, Flash number... Flash 58. Joshua yeah. Williamson. I just don't know who the artist is. Uh, Joshua Williamson and... Um, uh, I forgot. But uh, you sure it's not Joe Williamson? That's what I heard. <laughs> just give me a second to find it. I'll no, go ahead. I'll figure it out. You tell me what the book's about. 
Oh, no, I already found it. Okay, so Flash 58, Joshua Williamson, art by Rafa Sandoval. Shit, we should have known that. Garrett even talked about it on the forecast. Oh, yeah, that's right. So Flash is, where is he? I think he's in Korea, out with Iris. They're going on this, uh, what do you call it? Speed for the Force Quest. Uh, and honestly, I could have given two craps. This book, literally, I got it for the fact that we were going to Gorilla City, and I was super amped about it. Uh, Flash, Barry's actually kind of struggling not being in uh, Central City. So he's kind of having that, that, you know, what does the Flash do if you're not in Central City? So there's some bad guys. He's finding out that it's so much easier to run through traffic than it is to run through this busy little marketplace where there's thousands of people. And even Iris, when he gets back to her, she goes, why didn't you just vibrate through people he goes well if i vibrate and i end wrong i could kill somebody she goes i was joking with you i thought oh my gosh how dare you joke about him vibrating through people and killing them gosh you're a monster so you're not enjoying this i, I you know the weird thing is i actually did enjoy it i like the trickster run where we're getting introduced to all these forces but now we're on this force quest okay no offense if you had stayed in central city all the forces seem to be finding you so i really don't think you needed to go find it and we actually meet this new group of it's a husband and wife bad guy who's also looking for forces. And she got some super strength force and punched. The girl gets. I, I think this is one of the books I want to like. I love Joshua Williamson. I think he's a great writer. He write, actually writes a lot of books I enjoy. Uh, Odyssey. What's the other one that I like? Birthright. Birthright. Nailbiter. That's Odyssey. JL Odyssey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, I just cut all the names short. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for some reason, I thought you got it confused with that Fraction book, Odyssey. No, no. Um, But this is one of those books, and and maybe a problem for me is that I'm not a huge, huge, huge Flash fan. Like, this is actually a book that I would expect you, Marvin, to have stayed on. I know you fell behind on that Flash Wars, which, no offense, was not not interesting. Um, But I like this idea of this, this... forces coming into central city and that flash had to deal with it now he's on this quest and he ends up going to gorilla city and goes oh, why didn't i think about going here in the first place grod always was after the speed force and he knew more about it than i did so he gets to gorilla city and something has worked its way through gorilla city kill, killing everybody and so flash is going to inter uh, interrupt that and that's not what i want to say Shit. Investigate that. Use the uh, CSI mode. There's good things about this issue, but it just... I don't, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I mean, I like Fra- Flash as a character. Uh, Jeff John's run was great. Fantastic. Uh, runs in the past have been great. But something about Joshua Williamson's run, I never felt like it was bad, but I never felt like I was interested in it. It's so. getting a little... I think it's getting a little long-winded. I'm not realizing what this book is building up to. Where like When you read Tom King's Batman... There's a whole long, every arc is just a little piece of what the whole big story is going to be. And that's something I think I'm really enjoying. And unfortunately, Scott Snyder kind of ruined that for me where I want a long arc. I don't like the short little ones. I want this, I want this big overlying story to tell me a tale. This book has had some good arts on it, but there were a couple of film arts that I didn't enjoy also. So I feel like that also suffered. Many of the books this, suffered. And I think when I see Sandoval, I was always used to seeing on the Hal Jordan Green Lantern Corps. It seemed different. It seemed odd to see the the art style for Flash like this. It was so I don't know defined. I'm used to seeing all that liney kind of electricity coming from this. Didn't seem that way. This is 
it felt like old flash of what I would see, just the big scarlet blur. It was fine. This would, this would be like an issue issue rating of a seven. Nothing special, but not enough for me to be like, yeah, screw this, I'm done. But who knows? It may eventually Could be. Could you say seven? That's not bad. You know what book I actually am looking forward to getting, I think? Huh. Aquaman. The uh, preview looks great. I don't know if I... I is, it's Kelly Sue De, uh, DeConnick, right? Yeah, she's one of those. I don't know why I'm nodding on an audio I th- podcast. <laughs> I think she can. I think she could write it, but I also am curious: can she stay on it? Possibly. I mean, it is pain work, so maybe yes. She's also contracted to do a certain amount, but uh, I suppose Bitch Planet, you wrote, you write what you want to write. That was then, her thing. So yeah. we'll see. Anything. Anytime she's been contracted, she did Captain Marvel for a while, and she did. She didn't. wasn't She didn't drop out of that book. Okay. So. Uh, that and uh, Wonder Woman, which came out this week, but I haven't had a chance to read those two. I'm excited to see what happened. What would G. Well Wilson and what uh, Kelly Sue to kind of do with those two characters? So, and I will be picking. I I did pick up Wonder Woman. I haven't read it yet. W I'm excited. I'm a, new I, blood I, I missed DC. her. I actually missed her. Yeah, I know. And, and I think new writers coming out to these characters that I've never done before might be good because the thing with Rebirth. I love most of the choices, but also some choices were like, hey, let's have somebody who wrote them in New 52 continue writing them, and I didn't really enjoy it. But also, like, I like seeing the diverse kind of, like, let's have a woman write Wonder Woman, which, uh, and then also it was like, hey, kill you Deconic. Like, there's no reason why she can't write Aquaman. Let's Mm -hmm. go ahead and let her write Aquaman. So That art art looks great for, I haven't seen the art for Wonder Woman yet, but... The preview for what I've seen of Aquaman, it looks interesting. It looks good. You know what else is good this week? Mr. Miracle number 12. This is Tom King, Mitch Garretts. The finale to the Mr. Miracle uh, miniseries, Maxi Series 12. Maxi. Uh, oh, I didn't say Suri, but she came on. She wants to join the conversation. Mr. Miracle. Yes. How may I help you? Uh, this is the finale. So in the last issue, they fought Darkseid, right? Yep. That was the last issue. Uh, we didn't know what happened. Uh, dead. Uh, he got shot right with the gun. Mm-hmm. And so this issue starts. Uh, let me actually let me not even tell you what this issue is about because if you read it, you read it. It's really actually hard to define what this issue was about. Let me just ask you a question. Do you feel like so most of the time when Tom King ends his books or anybody ends anything, there's two different ways this book could end it. It could have ended with being like, hey, you make up your own mind and you decide like. Is he alive? Is he dead? And I feel like we got a little bit of that, but also there's also uh, an ending, which is the fine being like, here's the end. And like, this is exactly what I mean to say with the story. So I feel like we got a little bit of both. Uh, Do you agree with me or you disagree? This, you know, I'm actually, I'm glad that you, you state the, I'm not going to tell you what this was about. Cause in all honesty, even though I read that thing after, the thing that you had sent us, Marvin, about, hey, read this after you read issue 12. Garrett sent us. But I, I haven't I'm going to give you credit. I actually haven't read it. He's not so here I'm not sure what He's it invisible. Is. He's not even talking what to me. What did it say, actually? Because I didn't read it. Oh, I thought you question. did read it. No, I haven't read it yet. Oh. You know, he really does need to change that the picture because I thought it was you who sent it. <laughs> um, it just, it just kind of tells you to take it as it is, to what you think it is. Because there's the part where um, Mr. Miracle is talking to, who is the one that's telling him he should have been, or you think you're in hell. Uh, Orion, Orion, maybe? Mm, no. no. They're on Apocalypse, and he's talking to somebody sitting there watching Barta fight some... It looks like Batroc the Leaper from Marvel. Anyway, so whoever's... It's, you know, oh, you're in hell, or you chose... Is it Granny? Who? Granny? 
I'll pull it. No, no. Granny was okay. Granny was the one that he because there's some that he actually talks to and he responds to, and there's other ones that he just chooses to ignore. But I don't. They gave him a name, and I don't remember what the name is. What's the? Is it Firestorm? Nope. Fire Sun. I'll pull that up here. In a second. Flame Dude. So anyway, I I don't know what kind of book we got out of this. You just got this. I think the last half of it was my favorite, where you actually have Scott Free just hanging out with Barda. They're at the hospital, find out they're pregnant with a second kiddo, um, and then you just get this last little nine pages or nine nine panels of them just sitting on the couch and him talking to her, going, you know, what's almost like what's the meaning of life here? So yeah, there's no, yeah. there's no definitive end of this book. It's just it wraps up this twelve issues of what we've read. So what I like about this ending here, uh, they didn't say character's name, so I'm not sure who it was, but Ambush Buck. Um, they, uh, so what I like about this ending is that it feels defined in one way. It's not defined in terms of like what is going on. It's defined in this, this aspect only. At the end of this story, Scott Free has escaped on his own terms, and he's happy with it. Like That is the only thing that we're for certain of. But in terms of like how he does it, how did he escape? We don't know. Like, did he die? Is he in hell? Or, or did he, he escape heaven? even? Did he uh, like, yeah, like, and which is a great analogy to uh, not only from the going back to the first issue, he had to, dep- he was depressed and he committed suicide or uh, attempted. attempted. Um, and then from that point on, we were never too sure exactly if what was going on was real or not, or was he dead or was he alive or, um, was it, uh, was he like lost in some sort of like program? I don't know. So there were really definitions. And when he talks to his best friend, uh, what was Oberon. he talks to him and he, and he gives him the thing. He goes, he goes, sometimes it doesn't matter. Like in that other universe, heroes prevail and they always have happy endings. And even though that's not real, maybe sometimes it's better to live in that world. And so it's, I, I feel like it's Tom King saying, that if you have depression and two things here, one, his past is not a happy past. Uh, Granny tortured him. And he kind of, at the beginning of the series, saw it like with these rose colored glasses saying like, Hey, it wasn't that bad. And Barta was like, what are you talking about? Like she tortured us. And for finally at the end, um, when he tells her to like screw off and like, uh, does he punch her or dark side? No, he punches. uh, He punches his dad. Yeah, that's Um, right. That's right. I thought Oh, I, I thought that, yeah. Uh, but he tells her, like, he, he's done with her. It's kind of being like, you don't have to, even though in your past bad things might have happened, you can choose to move on. And he chooses to move on in that moment. And the future is what he makes it. It doesn't matter if it's real for him or not. Because he knows that in that moment, like I said, at the end, the only thing that we're, we're 100% aware, I mean, that we know that is true, is that he's happy with the choices that he's made and happy with where... He's going like it doesn't matter to him if this is heaven. It doesn't matter to him if none of this is real because for him it is. Yeah. And for him he's happy. And for him he's okay. So, I I, I enjoyed the. So we bring up High Father and High Father's telling him that um, sometimes as a dad you're given the hard choice and sometimes you have to do the thing that hurts the most and you know I had to save my people by giving you up to Dark Side and Scott just flips out uppercuts him off his feet because he wasn't going to make that same call because dark side wanted his son he's like screw that my son's coming home with me 
and not like you would do, dad, and sacrifice your own kid. Yeah, so basically his father's like, I had to. And at that moment, Scott knows, no, you didn't. Like, I made the opposite choice, and it turned out okay. Like, we beat Dark Side, and everybody's still happy. Like, nothing bad came from it. This this is a book, not even just this single issue. This is a series that, much like Vision, I need to reread the whole thing in a, in a whole entirety. Yeah. Because there's a lot of things that I knew nothing about Mr. Miracle. I still know nothing about Mr. Miracle. And it's not even about him being Mr. Miracle. It's about him being scot-free. And about him wanting to be... What What does it mean to be... In this book, it's about being a parent almost. What's it mean to be happy? Or maybe to be happy. And I just... I can't wrap my mind around this book. It's so good. And actually, the issues that I enjoyed the most are not are, aren't even about Mr. Miracle. It's about him... Trying to figure out how to be happy and what's the right way for him to be happy. Well, I mean, th- this last issue is a perfect encapsulation of his depression. It's like, here are all the things that are weighing you down, telling you to feel shitty. Like, to make you, like, like to uh, hold on to the past. To, like, hey, why are you happy? What if this is not real? You don't know if it's real. Like, all these people that aren't, like, he doesn't see as real, but they're so badly, like, the voices in his head being like, you're not good enough. And he chooses to ignore all of them and chooses not to give them power and chooses to, like you said, be happy, move on, and like look at the things in his life that give him meaning and decide to be like, oh, okay, I'm going this way now and I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, like you said, I'm going to reread this again and like it is a work that uh, is a good story if you just take it at surface level, but if you look beneath it, it is a great story about other things, and I think that's the perfect encapsulation of what Tom Kong, Tom King does. Tom Kong, Tom Kong, Tom King does, and this is another mini series in which I I would say uh, he did it again, and like this is uh, another one put on the shelf next to Vision and uh, other minis he's done. Well, he's done another one, right? Well, he's done the Omega Man. That was one that. Oh yeah, I never finished that. That was the ten issue run. But I mean, even his Batman has got the same Batman, yeah. The same storyline of what's it mean to be Bruce? It's not just about being Batman, kicking ass and taking names. It's about how does the human, how's the 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 human trained to physical, mental, emotional perfection? What if he wasn't perfect? What if he did struggle? What if he does have problems? What if all the shit he's ever done and all the shit he's ever seen and all the shit that's ever been done to him? What if it affects him? Yeah. What if he wants a life outside of being Batman? And even though you're so close to getting that life, and this goes for any of these characters even, what happens if you're so close and you're so far away because there's always something in the way? Can I say also that Mitch Gerads was an artist that prior to the series I always thought of as like a military, like realistic kind of mm-hmm. artist. He did uh, Sheriff of Babylon and he did, um, kind of what was that book I used to read? Activity, I think, uh, by him. And now that we have this, I see that he can do more than that. There's comedy in this book. There's drama in this book. There's there's emotion, like the way he draws people's faces in this book, like uh, especially Scott and Barta scenes. Um, I see his range now, and I was like, because I remember thinking when he first got announced the book, I was like, oh, is it going to be like realistic kind of? Like, how is that going to look? And fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. even the art by itself would be enough for me to be like, hey, you should read this series. Like, in terms of storytelling, in terms of of just the way the layouts are like it's a nine pedal grid every single page and i think that sometimes when you say hey we're gonna do nine panel grids 
uh, it can be gimmicky, but in this series, it feels like that was a restriction they put on themselves to focus the storytelling and be like, hey, we want to make sure that the storytelling is clean and that it is concise and that we can tell a story like this and not be con- too concerned about, like, let's just do all this fancy stuff. They're like, no, let's tell a story. And that's what this is. Well, sometimes those nine those nine panel grids actually move the story better than you could if you just jump from thing to thing. Because I'm thinking of, I think it was issue seven or eight, must have been six or seven, where they're Barta and he are fighting. Must even maybe maybe no, I think it was six because it was the end where we had that break. They're fighting through this the technodrome of wherever they are, beating the crap out of these people, having the conversation about. Oh yeah, I'm pregnant, and oh, I want to do this with the house, and da 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 da. And instead of making it, you know, three parts where they zoom right through it, it's we're actually getting to watch them fight individual people, have this conversation, have this banter amongst. Them. Oh man, it was just beautiful. Uh, this was a ten for me. This is my favorite book this week. Um, this is a nine. It was very, very, very good. But I think in my head, I actually went into it expecting there to be a. An end, and there was an end. It was Tom King's end, but it was still left open enough to me going, not necessarily how do I think it should end, but even at the end of that, that last panel goes, this isn't the end for Mr. Miracle, but it is the end for this book. That well, he's going to be here in the crisis. He's on the cover, so I don't, I'm not sure, and that's Tom King also, so at least... Oh, there's another there's another mini for you that... That's what, yeah, I was going to say, wherever that goes with Mr. Miracle will be Tom King, so I will consider it a part of even though it's not part of the story, it's part of this character's arc. Yeah. And I am very curious to see how he factors into that story. Because he's in the cover. It doesn't mean he's in the book, but I feel it could be in the book. Well, I think you'd almost have to be in the book. Not I even mean, not even because he was on the cover, but for the fact that Tom King spent the last two years writing about him. That And maybe not two years is made too long. 18 months. Yeah, we had a Give break, right? Between six and seven. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, my favorite book this week. So. Mm. It's good. It's good. I liked it. You keep coming back to me. Don't you get Cosmic Ghost Rider? Oh, that is Cosmic Ghost Rider. Donnie Cates, uh, was it number five? Yep. Cosmic Ghost Rider, number six. Nope, number five. Ooh, buddy. Number five, you're still wrong. But I don't remember who did the art for it. And it was Donnie Cates was the writer. You keep setting me up, and I keep... I'm th- sure Garrett will tell us. I was like, oh, bro, I bet it's you. It's your turn. Uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider, the end of this mini series, but not the end also for Ghost Rider. We get that at the end, too. Uh, he will return in Guardians of the Galaxy number one. But this is the end of the story of him trying to find redemption for Thanos, trying to figure out if he can, if it's a nature versus nurture, if he raises Thanos in a good way, does Thanos turn out not to be the person that we know him as? And the $1 million question turns out to be, the man will be who he always wants to be because death put a mark on him and she wants him to be the bringer of death and he's always going to be that no matter what happens. And uh, it's the series has been funny. I feel like this issue had a lot of good moments that weren't. There were a lot of drama of Ghost Rider realizing that I'm going to have to kill what I created in a sense when he no. kills the adult uh, Thanos. Here it's Donny Cates is the writer. Dylan Burnett is the art. Dylan, you son of a bitch. Uh, he kills him and then he sees baby Thanos and realizes that uh, he goes and picks him up from that timeline and he and Thanos goes, if I lose this timeline, is this timeline going to be destroyed? And he goes, yeah, but it's all right. Like, And then he realizes there's nothing I can do to save you. Well, because it wasn't, wasn't it when he brings him back to Titan, he does run into death, and death tells him, I've already paid him for this. Yeah. No matter what you do, he will always 
that's his be the Mad Titan. This is the man who I always want to be the Mad Titan. So there's nothing you can do to save. My my favorite my favorite scene in this whole book is when uh, Ghost Rider is fighting um, Adult Thanos, and Adult Thanos keeps calling him his son, or I, you know you're my dad. He goes, I you are not my son. Then just beams his face right off, and he goes, I'm going to give you the the pen, and he goes, I've done the stare before. No, no, no. Not the stare, but the actual penance, and burns. I mean, just burns him to a crisp. And he's uh, in that moment crying. He's like, "My my kids died a long time ago." But you can also tell he feels bad. Well, he does, but it's also. I mean, because in all honesty, Thanos was his kid. He's been taking care of this kid. He's been protecting him, trying to keep him from seeing violence and death. When to find out, no matter what he does, he's always having to fight somebody, and that's unfortunately the the task that's been given to. The Punisher been given to Ghost Rider, been given to Frank Castle his whole life as you're the ass kicker and everyone's got your number. So he spends a whole issue fighting Cable. He spends a, spends a whole issue, excuse me, talking to his adult Thanos Punisher son who's made a utopia of Punishers. I mean, or just cops that no crime or if there is crime, you get to live here forever. I mean, it's Arkham City. And then if he gets two out of hand, you go back and kick the shit out of him again. Oh, really? It really is Arkham City. <laughs> I uh, I love this. Actually, I actually think this may have been my pick for this week. This it was strong for me, uh, especially this issue. I think this might be the best issue of the series, which is great to say about the finale. Uh, overall, it, I thought it was actually pretty great. And it's uh, great in, in the sense of, Don- I think Donnie Cates is great with these small runs. And I think a little bit at the beginning, it was a little too, like the way it was like super joking and turn at the end, I think the turn to be serious, I feel like I needed that to be more fluid. Uh, but otherwise, I liked it. But I think it seemed I like think, there was a quick shift to be like, boom, also now we're actually never. But I think story. that was maybe the intention even was that even go, the, even this ghost writer, everything's a joke. He's gone through so much shit that it's like, I'm just going to make light of everything. Then to find out this task is even harder than it's meant to be. So he's focusing now. He's getting serious. And once you get to issue four and he finds out, I failed again because my kid is now an adult Thanos killing everybody who's wrong. You know, shit hit the fan. And I think he felt like he had to be more serious. I mean, he actually felt, this actually felt like it was the Punisher stuck as Ghost Rider. In a way, also, Thanos turns out the way he is because he realizes at that point, because there's a part here where he talks about like, He's created, he's like sinned and he's he's done a lot of bad things in his life. Uh, Frank says that. And he realized at a certain point that Thanos turns out evil still because like that's still who Punisher is. He's like not a good guy. And so what Thanos learns from him is still not to be a good person. Um, and Marvin's already touched on this. I am so excited for the Guardians of the Galaxy book to come out. I'm looking at, yeah, the, I was looking too. at that, that Jeff Shaw and Holy Donnie shit, Kids. that's going to be one of my favorite books that marvel puts out and that team is ridiculously huge i don't even remember i don't even know half the people on there well the first arc is that whole team and then it, it'll go down to six people oh really so from those it's it i think the first arc is called who will be the guardians oh i see. so those are the main people because they're fighting something big and then it'll be whittled down to six of them. okay so that's what kind of what the first arc is about I, guess uh, gonna be I god i hope that uh cosmic ghost Rider stays on it I mean, that, that may actually be one of my favorite characters coming out now. Uh, and the original run of Thanos that he was in is actually better than this whole run here, this five issue run. 
I will say, when we first saw him and the reveal was that he was Frank Castle, for me, it seemed like one of those things where you're like, that's a twist just to be a twist and it doesn't really mean anything. And then we got that issue of Thanos where they do the backstory of Cosmic Ghost Rider. Was it in the... Yeah, where he, where he started out, he died, and then he comes into being Ghost Which Rider. Which was and... probably one of the best issues of that run, but also that run was fantastic no matter what. Uh, and now, I, like you said, I think he's one of the best new characters from Marvel, and he's not just the Punisher as Ghost Rider. He feels like a full-fledged character. Mm-hmm. And I actually mm-hmm. enjoy him more than Punisher by himself or Ghost Rider by himself, like that character. I like. Oh, really? I think so. Hmm. I haven't read enough regular Ghost Rider to... That's a character that screams Alex, but I just I've never gotten into it. Like I want to be into it, but there's never been a good story where he's at. Yeah, that that's what it feels, at least this feels like. Both those takes on those characters and they're fresher than I've read in years from the other two. My only hope would be then if you're gonna let and I, I realize that Punisher Ghost Rider has kind of gotten away from being just the Punisher. He is you know mentally insane now, so he just kind of does what he wants to do. I kind of hope we can get a little bit more of him being like the the heavy hitter. Or the one that has no restraints, he just kind of goes and does stuff. If he gets the shit kicked out of him, what's the big deal? I'm dead already. I feel like he's still like that. In this, I didn't feel necessarily as much. But like when he's fighting that whole big cable battle and fighting all the X-Men that ever got brought to him, he is so formidable, and maybe that's from all that training as the Punisher and as a Marine Corps leader, no one can take him on hand-to-hand. Strong nine for me. Ten. Uh, Last book. The book we're going to talk about last. Fantastic Four, number three. Sarah Pichelli and Dan Slott, uh, I believe. I'm going to assume. Um, I believe you're right. Uh, this is the third uh, issue, and I feel like the last issue of the arc, though, um, the way it ends kind of feels to me like it's the end of this arc, but the end of the story. I think we're starting up on the... Well, like when you look at the next issue cover, it's a different kind of Fantastic Four. Holy shit. <laughs> Marvin just took his hat off. <laughs> he looks like it was bothering me. You can see I've been adjusting my headphones the whole time because it's been like pressing on my head. I just I was like, oh, I'll just take it off. My hair looks messy. Um, well, let me ask you a question because yeah. you and Garrett, I feel like have been less. We're less enthused, biased than you. you know, that's what I was going to say. Enthused by this book than I have. Uh, this issue, does this issue say to you, this is what I wanted in this book? Or does this issue say to you, I don't need to get this book? This almost says, I don't need to get this book. You didn't enjoy it. I. This didn't make you happy. No, because the, I mean, I get the whole thing was that Reed is like, oh, I'll just call everybody here. And he goes, you know, it's not about just the four of us. Turns out also most of the people didn't even help. No, more, I mean, <laughs> only, I think only four or five of them actually helped. Uh, other than Medusa showed up to protect the kids for a couple seconds. Uh, I think Black Panther punched some one dude in the face. Uh, Peter showed up to go um, with power comes great responsibility and the thing is like fuck that no we're not doing that shit you know it's kind of like Marvel vs. Camcon sometimes they come in and they get one punch and they go away that's kind of what it was. that's what yeah I just I um I think the griever hurt this big to do in the last issue and the second issue I thought holy shit this woman is scary there's gonna be some power there's gonna be a great fight coming there was nothing it was all strategic fighting and I get it, it wasn't meant to be a fist fight they weren't gonna win the fist fight so instead Let's take out all the chips, leave her one ship going, hey, you're not going to destroy the universe with us in it, with you stuck here too. And I just, who gives a shit? The only thing that was relatively interesting for me was that the thing asked Reed, hey, will you be my best man? 
And Reed had no idea what that meant by, hey, you're my best man, too. No, will you be my best man, dipshit? Yeah, she's been gone for 28 years. Um, but whoever, Pichelli must really like uh, Mr. Fantastic, because I didn't mean to be checking out his crotch, but there was some <laughs> ridiculous, holy crud, dude. He stretches. I, I get that. I mean, what else man. are you going to do with that power? Wow. Uh, I actually really enjoyed this issue, but once again, like you said, uh, you guys are less enthused than I am. That's what I'm going to use. And uh, I didn't feel like it was uh, a great issue. I feel like it's like a seven for me, but I feel like... So, the way that it ends, I do agree. I didn't like it. But I do feel like she's going to come back. That's not the last we've seen of that person. No, no, no. Um, Which I, is what most of the bad guys are in Fantastic Four's world. I do feel that it's absurd that all those people came and did nothing. It feels like it was just a lot of hype to be like, hey, look who's in this book, and then they don't do anything. Uh, so, it was a weaker conclusion than I had hoped for. But the Fantastic Four moments, especially Reed, uh, Sue, the kids, especially the kids, Franklin... I feel like they were on point, and I feel like I like those moments, and so that's the reason why I like that issue, not because of any plot reasons. So my head hurts. Listening. So I was like, "Hey, I'll read some more of this. We'll see how it goes." This is a though. I do feel. I do feel. I forgot what it was in the book. There's something in the book where I was just like, "Come on, Dan, let's just fucking quit doing this bullshit. Let's move on." First off, it's way too wordy. Well, that's just the first like three pages have like a million balloons. On. What's the whole point? I mean, yeah, really. There may be a hundred people on the screen, but they're not all talking at one time. <laughs> I and I understand the excitement of Reed and Sue and Ben and Johnny getting together. That's been at least for Reed and Sue, it's been ten years, twenty years since they've seen those two, and they've only been gone for two years from the Earth timeline. But I'm just like, I want, I I like the Fantastic Four, I really do. But there's something about this book just seems so much more campy than I was expecting. And I'm not saying it needs to be serious. It doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't even need to be logical. But there's got to be something that holds me in. And I don't know if the wedding between Alicia and the thing is going to be enough to keep me interested long enough to continue to get this book. Like, I want to I want to give this series a decent run. I don't want it to just be three issues, three strikes and you're out. Because the first one was okay. I was kind of disappointed by it. Issue two, I actually really did enjoy when the Griever showed up. She actually was a formidable bad guy. Not only does Franklin make all these universes, makes all these you know lives, she comes in and destroys everything. I was like, okay, you know what? That's a pretty awesome bad guy. That's the way to go. Then you get to this timeline, or this where we're at now, and yeah, everybody shows up and nothing really happens. Val gets sent to go destroy all the ships, or Hulk destroyed all the ships, or Johnny destroyed all the ships. Someone did something. Oh, I don't. That Hulk thing that happened in the 70s, I was like, what's going on? Here? We even talked about, oh, I wish we had a Hulk here. Yeah, Hulk's too busy taking a crap in the spaceship. <laughs> Just, I don't know. There's, there's things... That's why I said seven. I'm not going to say it's like, I'm not going to go crazy and say it was amazing, but I did like those moments. But this is a four. Oh, buddy. Yeah. You just... done? What? You done with the four? No, because I, I like I said, you're on your phone. I want to give this book an actual chance. I'm I'm this first three issues, although if I were a smart man, three issues, I'm not enjoying it, drop it. See to me. But I also know that I like that like I like the Fantastic Four. They're Do you though? Because I've seen this last movie and you said you didn't like it. And kay. I'm all over that. Whoa. Ten out of ten. Well, holy milestone. Wow. Then you must hate Winter Soldier, because that I mean, you can't like both those movies. Garbage and amazing. And you've got it the other way around. The thing is so strong in that movie. A tank, hear me out, disappears. Wear pants. <laughs> That's all I want. Wear stretchy pants. 
Um, I know you got rocks for giblets, but I love Fantastic Four. But if I feel like the next arc is the same, where it's a lot of hype and nothing really happens, I think I would be done reading. Well, I so what, I don't know. So I, what's the next arc? Next arc is whatever those Imposter Fantastic Four, which I'm guessing are the ones from two, two and one. I don't know if you read that part. There's another when Johnny and the Thing are out on some wicked adventure. They run into a different Fantastic Four. And I think that's what this team is that we're going to see. I mean, if this next arc is great, I'm all for staying on. But maybe that's the point. Maybe it's I give it another arc or another two issues. If I'm not enjoying this book even a little bit, I need to be done. I need to be done. There's other books out there that need my attention that I enjoy more. You give it a four. I give it a seven. That equals out to be eleven divided by two. It's six and a half. That's the that's the average. That's right not even right. That's five and a half. Oh, okay. I give it a lecture point just for the effort. Uh, that's Fantastic Four, number three. Uh, Gideon Falls, number eight. Skyward, number eight. Fl- uh, Flash, number 58. Um, Cosmic Ghost Rider. Cosmic Ghost Rider, five. number five. And Miss Miracle, Miracle number, 12. number 12. Get those books where you get your comic books, you know, comic book shop, or online anytime. Do what you want. It's your life. Yes. Uh, those are the reviews <laughs> for this week. Uh, Garrett, uh, please let us know what you think. Hey everyone, as you might have heard, um, I'm away hunting this weekend, so I'm trying to control that deer population, Uh, but I did get a chance to read my comic books, so I'm going to share my reviews with you, as Alex and Marvin will be as well. Um, I'm starting with Gideon Falls, number eight. Um, You know, this truly is one of, like, the better horror books out there right now, you know, with uh, Jeff Lemire and Sorrentino, like, this has been a great book from the beginning. Um, I think we're diving deeper into the plot, and we're finally getting to that spot where uh, Norton and the father are getting closer to figure out who each other are. Um, So that's pretty cool. I mean, getting more backstory on Norton as well. Seems like he has a very troubled childhood, and that the devil of the barn has been bothering him for quite some time. Uh, You know, I do really enjoy... uh, the art style by Sorrentino in here, it is very horror-esque. Um, you know, dark paneling, um, scary page turns, things like that. And You know, this story has been steadily, over time, become more and more a mystery, I would say, than a horror. But there's still frightening parts. Like when I see that devil creature, I remember the last time I did that. Um... Or when we all saw that, I think it was the covered issue two or three, it was terrifying. So, um, this book has become really good. Um, I don't have too much to say about this one, because I can't really provide any insight, unless the guys already have. But we're just slowly figuring out more and more to the story. Um, It seems that the father's getting closer with the sheriff who got shot in the barn, and that Norton uh, is getting closer to his psych, uh, psychiatrist who uh, is being replaced by another doctor because I guess doctors can kidnap you from your home and force you into treatment. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but uh, it just adds to the paranoia and fear of this book. Um, I would say I give this issue a 7. Uh, it wasn't my favorite issue, but it was uh, a good read. And I always forget how much I look forward to this when I read it. So moving on, I'm going to Skyward. Uh, number eight as well. It's the book of eights. Um, 
So, we've had Willa, the main character, come to this uh, Barrow agricultural location from the train she was trying to run away on. Um, now, Barrow is the man who wants to keep no gravity in the world, but Will is trying to return gravity to the Earth so people uh, don't die and things return back to normal. Uh, one of the side effects of the oxygen, um, not the oxygen, sorry, the gravity uh, being seamless is bugs, or at least dragonflies, grow huge because for some reason they're there's some science explanation in the back of the last issue, I believe. It explains that gravity, the pressure, keeps those bugs so small. So that's why when we see bugs in our atmosphere, they're really tiny. So that was pretty cool. Um, like the science kind of makes sense. If there was no gravity, maybe there would be bigger bugs, I guess. But good thing that's not the case. Um, the art style by Garbett is... Some of the best art I've ever seen. Like I think that's one of the strongest points of this issue is, especially like Henderson and Garbit, like they know how to work with each other. Garbit gets a lot of room to draw and tell the story from an artist's perspective, but you know, the writing isn't overbearing and it is very interesting uh, character development as the story goes on. Um, I had to catch up issue five through eight. So, issue 5 was probably my favorite of the series, dealing with something tragic that happens to Willa. But ever since then, like, you know, this whole series has just been fun, um, a lot more action and adventure than I realized it was going to be, and so I'm definitely along for the ride. Um, there's a new guy in this book that's the leader of this Barrow Agricultural, and uh, spoilers if Alex hasn't already told you he gets caught at the end of this issue um and so it's kind of like well you work at barrow agricultural but you caught barrow so that's uh very interesting and i'm definitely looking forward to what happens next in the next issue i'd give this issue a nine all right moving on we got flash number 58 um gotta be honest here this issue uh was real was pretty wordy um, i'm not saying it was bad but it was just very very wordy um, there's nothing to do with the forces in here, sort of. Um, I mean, we have these, I think they're called the Gemini Twins. They, uh, have, they steal artifacts from, and can, they have powers they can absorb from superheroes and use against them. So, that is very interesting, but I feel like we've seen that kind of villain before, who can take a fraction of a superhero's powers and use it against them. Um, one of the best parts of this issue, I would say, is the relationship between Barry and Iris. Uh, that is very refreshing to see that they're, you know, traveling the world together, trying to figure out all these forces. Um, I think Alex and Marvin can attest to this. Uh, when, the, you know, my deal with covers, like the cover is, what is the secret of Gorilla City? And that's the cliffhanger is them coming to Gorilla City. So I'm like, okay, this was very misleading. Um, the story was, it seemed like filler just to get us to Gorilla City. Um, but, again, it does show to uh, Barry's strengths. You see him do some forensic science. Um, you still do see him being the Flash and then interacting with these Gemini twins. I would give this issue also a 7. Um, it wasn't anything that was crazy good, but it was enough to be like, okay, I do want to see what happens next at Gorilla City. And that was written by Joe Williamson. Oh, no, that's not right. Scratch that part, Marvin. 
Alright, next, one of the big ones, Mr. Miracle, number 12. Uh, the conclusion of the series, but maybe not the conclusion of Scott Free. Um, this book was really great. Um, but I think if anyone was able to tell you what the definitive conclusion of this book is, they'd be lying to you because there's no way you could even guess what the 100% ending is because that's what Tom King does with this issue. He makes it be the ending is whatever you want it to be. Uh, for Scott, he's living in his reality. We don't know if it's fake or if it's real, but it's a reality that he's enjoying with his uh, wife, kid, and uh, surprise second kid to come. Um, but throughout this entire issue, you know, there's little uh, static of his past life coming in to interfere with this happiness that is he set for himself. So what Tom King's Tom King does with this book is he kind of makes you think, is it real? Is it fake? Uh, the entire issue. And I think by the end of the book, the point is you can make your reality whatever you want it to be. Um, if this is what makes Scott free happy, whether it's real or not, that's the reality he chooses. And, you know, coming from the beginning of this issue where he thought he had one path in life and that was to end it, you know, to have anything he wants to happen in this set of reality. And even in this reality, you know, bad things still happen. Like Darkseid tried to take his son, but he just overcame all these obstacles and still uh, knew what he had to do to uh, uh, save the day and live scot-free, you know. So... Um, you know, they did some flash forwards. They did some flashbacks from characters. Uh, you know, I did love the first page. You know, you had like Dan DiDio and Jim Lee sitting in the audience. Probably some other people that I should recognize, but I 100% don't know who they are. Um, I feel like I see uh, 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 that bald guy. I can't remember his name, who the actor is, but it does look. Uh, like, they put some famous actor cameos in here. Um, what's really strong is the relationship between Barta and Scott in this book. I mean, there are times where Scott's can doubt can doubt himself and doubt, like, their future with their second kid, but Barta's always there to be like, hey, we got through this. We can keep doing this. Uh, anything we do together, we're going to persevere. So that's really great. Uh, the only thing that concerns me is on that last page, like mid-sentence, she says, Dark Side is, and then it goes back to uh, them having their conversation. So it's like, ah, I just don't know if this is real or not. If um, It does seem, if I had to put my opinion on it, that it it is fake, this reality that he's in. But the sacrifice of these little glitches is what he has to deal with uh, reminders of his past to live in this reality. Um, so it says, it says the Mr. Miracle series will not be continued. Its new thrilling successor will soon be on sale. So who knows what that means, whether that's the second part of taking place in Heroes in Crisis, because we know he's on the cover there, or if uh, there's going to be a second series, uh, part two, let's say. Uh, I really don't know. Um... Now, giving it over to Mitch uh, Gerads, like, great art. Um, it has been since the beginning, great colors. Uh, it just really fits the storytelling. Um, I didn't realize how much I'd like his art until by the end. I'm just like, 
he needs to be on more books, and I know he's going to be coming up on a new Batman arc here, so very excited for that. And Tom King, you know, he's been doing great at storytelling. Uh, he's really finding his way with these uh, characters and big characters, so... But this one's just extra special because it's extra special because it's just cool him interacting with um, kind of characters of the third world. You know, you got the new gods, and you have uh, Mister Miracle, who's not very known by a lot of people. But I think this is a great way to show off some of uh, DC's best characters, um, and I think he accomplished that in this book. Um, I'd give this issue a nine. Um, I didn't think it was perfect. You know, I. There is something you lose when there's not a definitive ending, uh, but the the best part about that is it makes you constantly think about it. So uh, I give it a nine, um, and I hope to see what happens next, what happens in Heroes in Crisis, to see if uh, we find out more information about this great story that's uh, been around for the last year or so. So I know that Alex and Marvin enjoyed this book. I have enjoyed this book, and I've enjoyed reviewing it. So uh, definitely going to miss it and see it go, but. Uh, I'm sure we'll get some some extra content in this universe, or at least this Mr. Miracle coming up. So, yep, give that one a nine. All right. We got Cosmic Ghost Rider number five. Um, this definitely 100% was my pick of the week. Um, what a great story by Donny Cates. Um, the artist was yeah Dylan Burnett. Um, it starts out with the Punisher and... Uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider duking it out because basically under the tutelage of Cosmic Ghost Rider, Thanos becomes the Punisher. But we find out at the end of the last issue, he decides to make the world in halves again, like his entire theory has always been. And so he makes one half a basically a pit full of destruction and despair while he makes the other half paradise. Um, and so... We don't find out until later that issue that the reason that Cosmic Ghost Rider is no longer around in the future is because Punisher Thanos killed him because he did not agree with that uh, viewpoint that all the criminals and bad people should be in the bad area of the world while obviously the good people would be on the paradise side. Um, this issue itself is their final battle. You know, uh, Ghost Rider has been traumatized by being Thanos's ward basically being told what to do you know he wants to pave his own path but there's always a Thanos around is what he said and he's like I think there was a funny line where he's like oh it's always there's two of you that are trying to ruin my life you know and he does get to go to this paradise and see this future where uh, his wife survives uh, you don't see his kid but you just see that um, Cosmic Ghost Rider or Frank Castle just knows that this is not the correct future and it needs to be corrected. <laughs> so what does he do? I guess he's been holding back this whole time. He obliterates Thanos. Um, you know, we've seen in the Marvel Universe it's not a very easy task to kill Thanos, but Cosmic Ghost Rider does it, and he does it brutally. Um, you know, being a herald of Galactus and a herald of Thanos, you know, I'm sure you learned a couple tricks up your sleeve and Cosmic Ghost Rider, you, you know, uses all these powers and all this knowledge that he's learned to destroy him. And the kill, uh, I know Alex would like a lot. He uh, takes his head off his skull, 
or takes his head, sorry, off his spine. Then he looks up to it and he says, penance means punishment, you ugly son of a bitch, and crushes his skull in his hand. I'm like, wow, that was amazing. Um, going on to uh, the rest of the story, you know, it's kind of a what-if kind of situation, and he realizes that he has to take Thanos back and everything needs to happen naturally, um, else it could be ten times worse because of him par- uh being a parent towards Thanos. Um, but at the end, you see that uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider runs into Death, and Death's agent is Thanos. Um, and she just explains, like, hey, his path is set in motion, um, but thanks for showing him how to kill. And he's, he's like, is there any way to save Thanos? And she's like, no, there isn't. His path's been chosen. He cannot escape his fate. Um, And so that makes Cosmic Ghost Rider pissed. Uh, But he's like, I'm not finished with this world yet. I'm going to fix it. And so he gets on his bike and rides off into the cosmic sunset and says he's going to return in Guardians of Galaxy number one, which is 100% going to get that book uh, with Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw. But this has been a great series. You know, we loved Thanos wins, and now we got this. And the next part of this Cosmic Ghost Rider will be in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, maybe someday we'll actually see Frank Castle of today meet Cosmic Ghost Rider. Who knows? Because that's Frank Castle of the future. So um, I love the series. Donny Cates killed it. I'm giving this issue a 10, and I can't wait for Guardians of the Galaxy. Last book that I'm going over is Fantastic Four number 3. Um, I would say this is more like Fantastic Four number one. You finally have the family reunited. They're finally taking on <clears throat> the threat that has been uh, their threat since issue one. So I get like, you know, I made that joke constantly that, hey, when did the Fantastic Four actually get to work together? And it's finally this issue. They had to set up the backstory of the villain, um, kind of show us where Reed and Sue and them were, and I guess you can't do that in one issue, but... Um, I'm just surprised it took so long for the team to get back together until now, but they're finally back together, and what a great end of the first arc, I would say. Um, you get the entire Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy, entire Fantastic Four from the uh, beginning to the, uh, all over their universe, uh, working together to fight this, basically, god who is trying to get to uh, Earth and rule the cosmos, basically. Um, so it was really great seeing Ben, Johnny, Sue, and uh, uh, Mr. Fantastic, I can't think of his name, Reed, uh, get back together again. Um, you know, there was a lot of heartfelt family reuniting moments with Johnny and the kids, or Uncle Ben and the kids. Uh, it just really was a really fun issue to see those families, the family reconnect. Um, you know, there was a lot of cool Easter eggs where we had like, uh, Johnny has to separate from the group and he goes into, uh, destroy this ship and it actually hulks in there just beating the living crap out of it. So that was pretty cool. Um, all kinds of characters in this book. You got Johnny Storm interacting with Iceman. You have, uh, Spider-Man trying to uh, motivate, uh, what's his name, Franklin, and Franklin's like, 
super scared about taking on this basically god and ben Grimm takes him aside he's like hey we're gonna do this together it's okay uh everything's all right when you got family together so uh they take out the threat or they don't eliminate the threat but they prevent the threat so uh, i'm definitely excited for the next era of fantastic four um it's going to be exciting because now they're all back together and they're going to get back to doing what they do best but that's as a family and looks like one of the first things is going to be ben Grimm's wedding so that's exciting but i give this issue a nine um the art was really good story was exciting and it's finally time for the Fantastic Four to be back at Marvel, and it's finally here. So, uh, anyways, those were my reviews of the books this week, just because I couldn't be there for this week's show. Um, but I did get a deer, so it was all worth it in the end. But I'll see you next week, and I know these guys are reviewing a great week of books. So, hope you have a good week, and we'll see you next time. Oh, fantastic. Garrett is such so good with his words. That man, I could listen to him talk... For years on end. I thought you were going to say that Garrett's a really good listener because I haven't heard him say a peep this issue. Well, he's That's an invisible so. woman, so he's over there. I don't know. He might not even be here. He might have just been fucking with us and said he's here and invisible and he didn't show up. Like, uh, I assume he's just being quiet. Maybe he just didn't show up. That's you know? the talent. I mean, that is, I mean, that if you would have invisibility powers, you could be like, hey, I was there. They can't prove you're not wrong. We'll, we'll really find out if he's here. Superman by Brian Michael Bendis, is the best book coming out. Better than that shit action comics. Oh, shit. Do you hear that? I heard something. No, okay. Uh, so, Alex, feature here. Yeah. Those are our reviews, and Garrett just gave his. And I'm th- I was thinking, I was like, hey, just me and Alex, what are we going to do for a feature? Games really don't work with one person, right? Uh, we could do a feature top five, but I didn't tell you ahead of time, and it would have been unfair to show up here and be like, hey, we're going to do a top five here, <laughs> pick five things. Vision one through five, way to go. And then any other feature, yeah, usually we give you a little uh, prep time. I give you guys a, like a couple of days, a day in advance, like that. So I was thinking, and I was like, you know what? With something we've never done this show, because there's two of you, and it would be weird if one of you were on the, on the show and the other person is like, hey, this is not about you today. <laughs> so um, <laughs> about you. Uh, one of the greatest interviewers of all time, or interviewees. Nope, interviewers. Yep. Uh, Larry King. Uh, he likes sure. to do interviews and not do any prep work, not have any questions ahead of time. He just likes to have a conversation, but do an interview. So this is going to be the first in a new segment whenever I have one of you guys here. Because I know we have guests coming here. We talk to them and interview them, right? Yeah. And I kind of wanted to talk to Alex Pastrello and see the man behind the mic and uh, talk to you about comic books, but also talk to you about like in terms of we'll get there. It's going to be a conversation. Uh Nothing too personal, but also I kind of wanted to see, like get. I mean, it's book, it's comic book related. It's comic book related, yeah. and I think we'll get into some stuff because there's some questions I actually do really want to ask you uh, as a parent who reads comic books, but also as you know uh, a fan who reads comic books. But also, you'll see, we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, That's what this needs. I to didn't be prepare called. questions, but I kind of had an idea. That's what I think this needs to be called. Is we'll get there. <laughs> is your title? Of this we'll game. get there with Larry King. So Alex, yeah. Uh, so let me ask you a question. You've been reading for comic books for how long? Uh, not in terms of like you've been, you've had them in your life. I mean, like, uh, like actually been getting them month to month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monthly series. Um, what do you say? When did Flashpoint come out? That was seven years well, ago. Well, we would have been, we met the twins way then. Yeah, we were, we hung out with the twins. 
Um, I said, what, is that your old? Is that your old place though? So old place, old townhome I used to live in. Yep. Because it was right before rebirth. You guys had gotten me talked into getting. No, 2012, I think, is when rebirth started, or when, um, New Fifty Two started. Wow. So I'm guessing 2011. Because I think, we'll say 2011. Flashpoint. Twenty eleven. Okay, because I had gotten it on issue. So that was your first two. monthly comic, May twenty eleven. Okay. So let me ask you a question. As somebody who, and I mean, relatively, that's uh, seven years is not a short time, but seven, especially in comics, when they come out every week in the amount that you get. But in terms of how long comics are around, it is considered a shorter time. When you think back to prior to 2011, other older comics, and you go back and read that, because I know you're, you go back and also get full runs yep. and try to check out like what you missed. Is there a certain kind of comic from the past that you don't enjoy, like storytelling-wise? Or do you feel like do you feel like modern-day stories do a better job of, of telling a story? Because you know the styles have been different throughout the years. So, okay, way back in the 1940s, 1950s, when those books were coming out, I find those ones hard to read because it is a lot of exposition. It's a lot of bubbles and a lot of, it sounds horrible, but the, it's almost that he man, here's the life lesson to learn in this issue. And that's not necessarily what I enjoyed out of them. Um, and I'm actually, I am a big fan of maybe big fans, not the right word, but I do kind of like those political taboo parts, those things that actually, well, that was actually relate to real life. I was going to ask you because, uh, I, f- I feel like so in the beginning all these comics you're talking about especially if you go back and you're like but even Action Comics number one is very political if you read that issue he attacks corrupt politicians in that issue and he says you know you shouldn't be stealing money from the poor and like what are you doing and uh, I think somebody if I remember correctly it might be Action 1 or 2 I think it's Action Comics number one this guy is beating his wife and Superman stops him and like so it, it, I mean it doesn't sway away from the issues yeah. and if, but it I, so that was a question I was going to ask you because it feel like a lot of times today in today's political climate, which is very heated, people are like, hey, keep that out. I just want entertainment. But for you, do you feel like it's necessary to I, have political stuff in books like that? I think it's – okay. So I, as a dad, now I actually do kind of watch the news. I'm not – I mean I can only handle so much of listening about our president as listening to things about our president. There's only so many – you know, bad stories I can hear about anybody in the world anymore that I, I may skip the news, but I try to watch it. I want to know the weather. I want to know what's going on in the world. Well, you got to know the weather. Well, I, I got to know the, the weather. I got to keep out on the weather, man. But I also, there's some things that I do miss and that if I want, if I want to read, um, okay, Man Eaters, this is a book. I actually love this series. It's, it talks about a taboo thing, a natural occurring thing of menzies or having your period it's a natural thing that have gone on for one bazillion years every mammal in the world does it but why is it such a big to do to talk about it in the united states Let me, actually that's a good segue to what i was going to ask you next so politically you you don't really keep up with it you said it like that but i do know we've talked about it um maybe not in the show but i i but it, you can kind of grasp from the show that you do enjoy those kind of parts of the book and like kind of example well like, okay like captain america yeah i actually enjoyed the you know this I enjoy that part. No, I don't enjoy all of this big nitty gritty stuff. It's not something I would follow. But as long as you're giving me this character actually having a, a realization or coming to a conclusion or having some thought process of what's going on in their at least in their stories, real world life, 
I think that's that's something that you have to get used to. And that's something that actually is it moves the story along, knowing that these characters have this life that pertains to their book. So I, I, I think I gather from what you're saying that the conversations are healthy to have. You just don't like watching news because it's a lot of just static going on. A lot of people are just talking and you're like, I'm, I don't want to hear anything. Like, Every, everybody gets mad for something nowadays and it's never just. So I think you, you in know. Captain America, they're having that conversation, but it's at a, it's, I feel tempered. Like it's feel like it's, Hey, here's, here's what I want to say. And if you want to listen to it, you can read this book or not. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you pull on the news, like everybody's like just yelling about something. You're like, I don't yeah. want to watch this. Like it's not, I don't feel like looking at the chaos. Let me just hear your point And that's it. Uh, so you talked about man eaters, which is something actually I wanted to talk to you about. So, um, you can, yeah, you can say we're still relatively, uh, young fathers. Uh, uh yeah, not young fathers, but I mean, like, are we, our kids aren't that old. No. Uh, mine is uh two and a half. Um, Mine's eight months. There's eight months. And you have a daughter. I have a son. Oh, I, think, so, I thought you just asked me, do you have a daughter? I was like, yeah. Uh, you have a daughter. I have, <laughs> I a, have son. a daughter. So even like, what about socially? So you talk about man eaters and the, the concept of like a book about girls and like what they go through. But also we we even talk go back and talk about like just in general, uh women in comics. Do you look at that with a different lens now that you have a daughter? Do you look at it being like maybe I should pay attention to more of this kind of stuff and like get more insight into this rather than before where you, I mean, I've been in you for a long time. It's never been before where I, I feel like that you had any issues with if somebody was a, a female male, it wouldn't matter to you. Like, uh, it's not like you had anything against females, but I feel like before I had a son, children in media, like for me, I was kind not that I would ignore it, but I feel like it wasn't as prevalent as like, oh, let me find something that I relate to. And then now when I see kids in books, I'm like, oh, I relate with it more. And so I feel more apparent. Mm-hmm. Is that with having a daughter? Do you notice that more or how females are treated in comics or like what stories we're telling about them? I, I notice more in real life kid things like my, my wife has even told me if I see a commercial with a kid on it, it's like, oh, that kid's kind of cute. And she goes, you know, ever since I become a dad, I I'm softer. I actually say, oh, kids are cute or um, when horrible things happen, I'd watch this thing on the news last night of uh, when you go christmas shopping if you bring your kids with you you know keep an eye on them because there are predators out there uh and it infuriates me i'm not i'm i'm a i wear my heart on my sleeve so i'm either if i'm sad you'll know if i'm mad which is quite common (laughs) you know um you know and you say at least specifically two man eaters you know maybe it does i think having having my daughter really does kind of bring to the attention that there's things that I don't know about and how do much like um, Ma, I think her name was Maud, how her dad kind of reacts to her having her period. How do you handle that? How do, how do as a dad, do I tell my daughter, yeah, I know what you're going through. I have no fucking clue what's going on in your that's, body. That's what I mean. I feel like you can take the medium stuff like that, like uh, movies, TV show, comic books, you can take it as entertainment, but it also like we were just talking about Mr. Miracle. There's stuff in there that is more than just surface level. And so for that book, I feel like it brings you a good perspective of what females go through, especially during that time in their life when a lot of stuff is changing. Mm-hmm. So for me, I mean, I have a son. A lot of things he's going through, like you were just saying, like I've been through. So a lot of that I can take from personal uh, a personal uh, perspective rather than having to see it in a medium. But for you, is a lot of that like 
do you start to notice that in other like even like TV shows and movies and comic books? You're like, kind of take a little bit of that and be like, hey, like you just said, what am I gonna do? Like when, like when this happens, or like let's think about like uh, Bitch Planet. It's a lot about female empowerment and about about female issues. And when you see that book, does that make you think being like? Is it open a can of worms and your brain starts going like, oh, what about what happens going to happen when it happen- that happens or that happens or if this happens? So I've, I've made the joke about my, you know, my daughter's eight months old. So 20 years, 25 years from now, she can start dating. <laughs> 25 years. <laughs> going to go late. <laughs> the, the, the thought process has come through my mind. You go, you know, how to how would I meet the boyfriend? Or, you know, if if my daughter and I were going to go have a father daughter day and she's. 15 16 and now she's getting into that oh let's see how short of a skirt i can wear and how inappropriate of a top i can wear and it's like no if you want to if dad and you're going to go out you're going to be wearing clothes we're not going to go we're not picking up boys together like it's it's those kind of things that i'm thinking about now and i have no reason to think about them right now my daughter's years away from that type of thing she's years away from you know having friends that are friends it's she's a little baby yeah any months, but my br- I mean, unfortunately, I'm I'm thinking ten years in advance. I'm thinking of what's going to be like to meet the boys. What's it going to be like when she and I go dancing? What's what's it going to be like when she gets married? Like it's things that I shouldn't be thinking about that make me go, "Holy shit, I'm a dad!" And it's not just I'm a dad who's, you know, I've got my my daughter's my little buddy. Lately, she and I are just two peas in a pod. She sees me and she just brightens up and we smile and we play and we sleep in the chair together and it's just um it just i don't know it's life-changing but i haven't found it to be where i focus on the period stuff I'm, I'm luckily i have a wife and my wife is an amazing woman who will be more than able to figure re- it out figure it out so i wanted to ask so uh something that i feel like i do even though like the uh, son perspective, like I feel like I have the father perspective, like that's very hard for me to figure out. Like, how do you, how do you do this? And I think for you, like one thing I was asked about, like with fathers, it feels like before you become a father, you're like there's all these books that are written. You kind of see examples from people in your life and you're like, Oh, that's, I think I know how to be a father. And then you have a kid and then you're, it's a big question of whether or not, like, you're like, okay, I thought I know how to do this, but I guess there's no real, like, guidelines to this. It's just, like, you kind of figure it out as you go. But I feel like sometimes in comic books, I read a perspective, like, from a father to a son. And there's a lot of, like, oh, like, that's the person I kind of want to be. Like, in Mr. Miracle, how he treats the son, I'm like, that's the kind of father I want to be. And then everyone else, you read something where it's kind of scares. I mean, it scares me. I'm not sure if it scares you. But uh, you read in terms of, like, not necessarily to this extent i want to give it away to my kid but also from the other side like the high father really didn't care about scott and was more was more concerned about other people and the way that he, scott took that and like the way he hated his father for that like worried that the small mistakes you'll make and not even thinking about it might affect your child long term so we think back to detective comics right uh batwoman uh kate and her father in that book if prior to that book they've had a really great relationship and then she realizes her father's been lying to her and, like, not really telling the full truth. And then they have that kind of breakup, we'll say, and, like, he doesn't, they, she doesn't like him anymore. And to a point when they're enemies, right? Do you think, like, not even in terms of that extreme, but, like, from a real world real perspective, does that kind of worry you by, like, being like, oh, like, I've never thought about that. What if 
yes, I'm thinking about what I should do right, but like, do I think about what I sh- what am I going to do wrong and push her away? I think it's one of those things that I'm hoping as a dad that it's not a that I'm going to push her away. Yes, am I going to piss her off some days? Of course, that's I'm not there necessarily to always be her friend. I have to be her dad, and my my sole objective in life is to protect my daughter from all that I can. And give her those good experiences. I can't protect her from everything. Some some of time in her life, a boy is going to hurt her feelings. Sometime a boy is going to make her think that he likes her just to make another girl jealous. And he's going to leave her. I get that. Um, but I'm also hoping, and I realize I've done the same thing as a 29-year-old man. I have a sister who told me, you know, watch out for this girl. She's a snake. Don't trust her. And I don't trust her or my sister didn't trust her. Um, you can do better than that. And of course, I'm, you know, a man. <laughs> I think I know all. I think I'm a smooth talker. Turns out I was wrong. Got hurt. It's like, you know what? I should have listened to you. And that's that's when you learn your life. I mean, you learn, you learn through your mistakes. You learn from people yeah. telling you something. So I can do whatever I want to help my daughter, but it's completely up to her to decide whether or not what dad says is legitimate. And without her learning from her mistakes, it doesn't matter what I say. I also don't want to be that person, though, that stops her from doing what she wants. Like, I think if I had told my parents that, yeah, Marvin and I are going to do a show with Garrett. Um, We're going to see where it's going to go. We're going to take three years out of our lives and focus on doing the show to make good content and to have it be fun for everybody. And they could have gone, you know what, that sounds like a waste of your guys' Thursday evenings or... You know, I, to be fair, they weren't always supportive of me getting comic books. That's a lot of money to put into something that really is no payout other than I get to read stories when there's plenty of ways to read comic books for free. But it's something I like. And they did eventually come around and go, you know what? I can't stop you from getting them. But if you guys are going to do a show, then by all means, go into it. Do you feel like talking about comic books and talking about your parents and what they thought about you reading comic books? Do you feel like there are comic books that are made for boys and ones that are made for girls? Or do you feel like anybody should be whatever? You know, I'm I I feel like I'm not the right one to ask for the fact that I really do have I I'll admit I used to have that array of I only read superhero books. And in all honesty, I read a whole shitload of everything now. I read the superheroes. I actually some of my favorite books are more probably books guided towards women. Actually, Man Eaters has the good chance to be one of my favorite books. I loved Batgirl. And I'm not saying that books that have female characters are only for girls. I now. guess that's what I'm asking. Like, if your daughter grew up and she loved comic books too, but all she read was like Batman, Superman, you wouldn't be like, "Hey, should we read those?" No, I mean, I want, I want her. I mean, if if Wonder Woman was my favorite character, no one's going to tell me, "Hey, don't be reading that book." If my daughter loves Superman, I will probably tell her, hey, there are better characters out there. Superman's a piece of shit. Get rid of him. <laughs> Don't listen to him. She's reading Super- okay, okay. If she's reading Superman number one by George Perez, then you take it out of her hands. I, I, will, I will rip that shit. <laughs> Honey, this is garbage. Don't read it. Shred. Be like, where'd you get this? Well, Garrett brought it. And you're like, oh, Jesus. Find that, Garrett. <laughs> I, I, well, the reason just- I bring that up is because I read a great article uh, a couple weeks back that was like from... Uh, that Che Fontana uh, retweeted, and I read it, and it was talking about how there was this female author who her books sell a lot with a female audience, but she doesn't think they're necessarily just for girls. 
but the main characters are girls. And I think Shay, I've heard her talk about that too. I went to the panel, female and comic books, females and comic books. And just because it has female characters, they're especially younger kids, like fathers say to their sons, be like, oh no, that's a girl's book. You, you can't read that. Or like, oh no, that's a girl book. Let's go get a boy book. And I, 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 I read that article thinking, being like, you know what? I never thought about that. I don't think I would do that to my son, being like, you can't read that. He actually watches, uh, not that, it, like, once again, not that it's a girl show, but I feel like people do think it's a girl show. My Little Pony? Uh, well, he was watching that the other day, actually. I, I watched that too. Sometimes. Uh, a show called Fancy Nancy. She just says, fan- she just shows you fancy stuff. And I feel like it is trying to be aimed, like, the demographic is for females. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be. And so I'm not going to be like, hey, you can't watch that. Like, that's a girl show. But even though in the back of my head, there was an inkling to be like, hey, that's a girl show. Right? Yeah. But, okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to. I don't feel that way. I'm gonna but g- I feel like there's something that's ingrained in our society that I was like, hey, that's a girl show. I want to give our listeners two here's two free shots and free feel to uh, tweet at me. Cause at Alex Postrello. At Alex Postrello. Um, I like the drink at the bar called sex on the beach it is a well, you can't argue against taste, I I taste. It, it tastes amazing but it, it's a girl drink and i've actually gone to the bar and i've ordered it and i've had some bartenders mostly female bartenders harass me about it going what are you a girl and it's like no but i like the taste i'm not going to drink something that's garbage and pay the money for it where yeah i'm drinking this drink because i like it uh and also well, on my netflix account i watch Spirit Riding Free. It is a show that's about, about the horse. Uh, it's about a horse, but it's also about these three young girls who are living in the frontier life, and it's about their adventures. Like you know what? Yes, my Netflix probably thinks I'm a twelve year old girl, <laughs> and that's why some of my other uh, suggestions are female shows. Well, that's what I mean, though. Like the article was talking about why, because somebody could watch Batman and they don't think about it being like this is a boy story. They just think about it. It's a you know. About a guy who loses his family and decides to rise above it. You know, there's an arc third of that is universal. People think that guy stories are universal. And they think that girl stories, like, that's for girls. Like, what, what's, what's that about? Like, let's talk about spirit for a second. Has three main characters, you said? Mm-hmm. Girls? Yep. And is there anything about their arc that you don't at least relate with at any level? Oh, like, I relate with a lot of the things. I mean, I was, I was 12 at one point in time. You just want to go adventure, and that's what they're doing. Then... They're taking their, their horses to get them from place to place. Oh, they're trying to save Christmas. So they're trying to pull pranks on each other. It's like, it doesn't, that's a gender neutral thing. It's not just boys who like to pull shit on each other. It's not just girls who like to pull stuff on each other. It's, it's about growing up, and that's what this is. And so for me, it's, it's, it's less about the gender. I could have given two crafts. It could be boys. It could be girls. They could be what have you. I'm not, I'm not picky. In all honesty, everybody on the show knows why I watched the watched this show to begin with. Uh, the horses in it, <laughs> and so that's what it was. Well, for I mean, me. that is like part of the reason why it's been so hard for uh, Marvel to have a movie, even that has a female led characters, because they're afraid that the rest of the movies that have come out, they're like, "Hey, anybody can watch these movies." But the moment they put out a Black Widow movie, they put out. Who's up? Uh, Gamora. Wasp, Gamora. That they're going to be like, oh, they're putting out a girl superhero movie. And which they said about Wonder Woman. They were like, hey, this is a movie for the girls finally. And it's like, well, it should be. Here's another superhero movie for everybody. Because the other ones, that's the way they push it. They don't push it being like, hey, this is for dudes. Like, they don't expect only guys to go to see the new Justice League movie, to see the new Avengers movie. So, do you think, so in comic books, 
have you ever felt that, let's say, um, not in terms of like the shop, I feel like our shop is very inclusive, mm-hmm. uh, but in terms of just the culture, uh, going to cons or going somewhere, do you ever feel like that if you were to be seen just reading like a back or something like that, people would be like, yeah, it's a girl's book. Like, why are you reading that? I think as a... No. Let's see. What about society? Not even like in comic. I'm say I'm say at a comic book place. Now I was gonna say in all honesty, I, I feel like we got. Co- I don't see nearly as many girls either. do comic book things. I mean, Harley Quinn's really picked up speed since Margot Robbie hopped on as as her in Suicide Squad. But a lot of the time, it's anime is what I see a lot of girls getting into, which is another great option. I mean, I I haven't read any of the the manga stuff coming out, but I have watched my my fair share of anime things, and there's a lot of good things to get a part of. Um, as society goes, I think as a man reading a female comic book, depending on what it was, if it was Batgirl, and I think if I'm reading um, My Little Pony, yeah, there might be a little shunned, but I think get, as a girl getting into it, there's still a lot more stereotyping. Let me ask you a question, because I think we even joked about it on the show. I think even I made a joke about it, but I was very being very facetious in the moment. Nancy Drew is a book that for years, I've been like, there's Hardy Boys for Boys and there's Nancy Drew for Girls, right? But then you comic book is coming out. We love uh, Kelly Thompson. She's going to be writing it. Did any part of you be like, it's weird that I'm picking up Nancy Drew? Or did we just no. like, hey, I just want to pick up this book? No. I think from being on the show and from yours and my, and actually even you know getting Garrett into, because Garrett wasn't always a fan of Wonder Woman. He wasn't always a fan of, um, and I don't mean to be taking a shot at him. It's not to be mean to him. But he wasn't always a team Wonder Woman or a team Batgirl or a team female character. I've, I love the female characters. I think that, and it doesn't even need, need to be written by a female to be good. Greg Rucka's Wonder Woman was great. But there's always that nice, that nice tone that is written out and expressed when you do have a female who's writing the book because they have lived the life as a girl. Well, it goes back to what you said. Like, your daughter's going to know more how to relate to your daughter than you just based on life perspective. Mm-hmm. Even if, like, you may have a good perspective, but you've never been through it before. So even though, like, Greg Rucker could write a one-on-one book and kind of, from a grand standpoint, be like, this is an every hero story and tell that story. And, like, but Kelly, I mean, actually, G. Willow Wilson's going to bring some sort of perspective that's like, but I know what it's like to be a woman in that, especially in a world like DC where I'm part of a trinity where they're all guys and I'm the only woman in this team. Yeah. Like, there's just, I've actually found that the female lead books are sometimes my favorite books. I mean, I still have, I don't know. Like for Wonder Woman, it's a book that I, I have high hopes for and I've, I've read females written it. I've read the males who've written it. Yeah, it's it's all good. I've yet to find a strong woman to write that book, and I haven't read the new the newest one that's come out. I think. Uh, you read Gail Simone's run? You love Gail Simone. I do love Gail Simone. When did she write it? Because uh, I was reading Bat. She she a was while writing, ago. she was reading Batgirl in New Fifty Two, and I loved I loved it. Actually, I just ended up dropping that book because Marvin and I did a big half sale slash and burn of everything we had. We're only getting twenty books. Of course, that grow into a shitload, shitload more books for me in the last four years. But um, I, I do love Gail Simone, and I think she's one of those strong writers that I sh- I should look into getting that or finding that and reading those books because I'm sure she does a great job with Wonder Woman. So uh, 
let me pivot here a little bit about not only from the perspective of female writers from your characters, but in terms of age, like just you, you said you're 29 years old. I'm 30. I'll be 32. So we're about the same. Well, we'll say we're the same age. We're close. Relatively I mean, speaking. According to Garrett, you and I are like 57. So. <laughs> um, uh, today, Bill Maher came out and said, or was it yesterday? One of the two days. Uh, Bill Maher is a political talk show host. Um, he uh, said uh, he doesn't know why everybody's getting upset about Stan Lee, which we can talk about that, but I, that's not really the point. He was like, people are getting upset about this guy. He used to write comic books, and comic books like are for kids, and like I don't understand why so many adults are uh, upset about something that is should be for kids. So even for somebody who's 29, right, I'm 32, does any part of you, when you see, when somebody's like, oh, yeah, I read comic books, do you, today, or when you started reading comics, do you feel like you were shunned in any way? Or be like, hey, what do you read comics for? Like, you're 29 years old. I, so before I got into books, before Marvin had introduced me, I was kind of one of those dickweeds who's telling you, you know, I only watch the movies, I don't read the books because I don't have time for that. That's, that's not cool. And actually, once I started reading them, it wasn't even I. One, I'm not that I'm a big guy, but I'm a tall dude, and not a lot of people can go, "Man, bro, what you reading? You, bro, do you even lift? Like they're not gonna be a dick to me." <laughs> I haven't had a lot of people give me a hard time. Actually, I've had more where um, trying to you know talk to yourself in front of girls and be like, "Oh yeah, hey, you know, actually this is something I like because I like comic books." Oh really? So it's not necessarily the best icebreaker for people. Because it is still kind of a shunned thing. The movies are great. Everybody loves the movies. That's cool to be a part of that. But to actually read the source material is not... That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not, let's say we're, me, it's not necessarily the kid, though. It's not being a it's kid. It's just not cool. But now when I look into it, it's like, you know what? There's a lot of adult material coming out that, as a child... I mean, if I looked at the cover of Saga, I'd be like, oh, that cover looks really cool. I want to get into that. Knowingly that, as an adult, don't get into that. Because you're going to see some dragon blowing himself. <laughs> I think actually that's a great point. I think maybe it's not sort of an age thing, but just in terms of society, it's not cool. And maybe that's why adults reading it, it's just not cool. And they're like, hey, like, why? Like, maybe that's what they just associate being, hey, that's for kids. Because it's also like a way to be like, hey, that's not really cool for an adult to be reading. I don't think it's a direct one to one, but I think I'm with you there. Um, So let's say like Avengers 4, you're saying that a lot of people go to these movies, but also they feel like they're not. They would also like be like, "Hey, what do you read comic books for?" If you're in line for Avengers four and you're reading comic book, do you think people would be like, "Look at this guy reading a comic book"? I, you know, unfortunately, yes. I think there's there's a different standard for those who go to the movies and those who read the books. If you and I were sitting in line together, you know, hanging out like bros do, and I'm reading Infinity War and you're reading uh, Infinity Gauntlet, what I'm just assuming that we're trying to get amped up for this no, movie, which all star Superman, of course, you'd go against the grain and read some some amazing book from a by different me, like, universe. You guys read this book before? It's pretty good, fantastic. Ten out of ten. <clears throat> we probably we really would get probably those looks. I mean, I I do know a fair share of people who go to our shop who do then go to the movies, and it is something that um they enjoy both aspects. But my sister enjoys these movies, hasn't read a single comic book in her life. She now wouldn't be one of those people who'd be like, oh, look at those losers sitting there. But I do know there are people out there who are like, that's, yeah, you may be waiting in line, but that's not cool. Well, like we did for um, Dark Knight Rises. 
I even brought some of my Batman books with Bane in it just to read them, thinking, oh, good. I can get amped, for, amped up for this. But, of course, I had, you know, Invisible Woman over here chatting up a storm <laughs> with us. That hard to do that. But, again, it's not, it's not cool to be a reader, even in front of the movies. I don't think you're going to get as much respect. But then once you get into the movie, actually, the weird thing is that once you get into the movie and you've got those loud kids who are jabbering up a storm before the movie starts and like, oh, yeah, did you see that Thanos and blah, 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 blah. or, hey, look, it's Witcher Soldier. And you're like, yeah, that's Bucky Barnes. No, it's not. And you're like, boom, bitch, it is. <laughs> like, then you, when you actually know things and you can spoil the movie for them because you've already read the source material and they're like, oh, I look like an idiot. You're like, damn straight you do. <laughs> Bro, do you even lift? Then my drop. <laughs> so you said you use the power against them. Okay. But I do feel like it in that kind of line, maybe you would be, uh, like you said, people would be like, hey, what's this guy reading for? But like, we've been in line for free comic book day. And I feel like they're, obviously, they're not going to judge. They're at a comic book shop. I mean, in all, okay. So when so when the three of us, actually four of us, including uh, hashtag guest host one, when we're in line, not that we are the most well-read men, but in all honesty, we do have a good a good selection amongst the four of us. We have a lot to talk about and the people who sit behind us or in front of us, they want to be in on the conversation because there's things that we know. There's things that we theorize just sitting there for however many hours we may be there that people look forward to. And that's one of those best times to be a comic book fan is when you can just get a whole shitload of people together who are there for the same reason. Like when we went to Supercon, that was amazing. I mean, you got people who are coming up there just want to know what you were about or what you're reading or what your shirt was or what character you're dressed up as or what video game you're playing. Or I mean, there's just endless amount of things and it's respect for the genre, not even just superheroes, not just manga, not just whatever thing it may be. Community. Um, a couple more questions here. We'll wrap up. But I, I feel like we just scratched the surface. We will definitely bring you back on the show, uh, Larry King Live, for uh, part two here. But uh, a year from now, when Garrett's out hunting, <laughs> poor Bambi. Because actually, like I said, didn't prep any of these questions. I kind of had kind of ideas, and we kind of went deeper into uh, the first two questions than I thought we would go. And actually, some good stuff came out of it. In terms of like you, we, you were talking about like uh, people see you reading comics and may not think that it's cool. Do you feel like? That is because it had it like people, f- it's the medium itself, or is it just like reading, or is it just like what do you, what is it about the aspect of it that people are like, hey, like, especially new readers, like if you were trying to convince somebody, let's say you're trying to convince your sister, you said she doesn't read the comics at all, what is her biggest thing about not wanting to read them? As somebody who's totally One, it. Uh, I have never asked her. <laughs> let's say you're like, hey, this is my favorite book. You say, I really want you to read this. So my sister is an avid reader. And I think a part of it, it's the a fear for her would be, where do I start? So actually, one of the first books I'd probably give her would be uh, Vision by Tom King. It's a book that you don't need to know anything about Vision. You don't need to know how he got made, who his father is, blah, 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 blah. It's just a book to be a book about what's it mean to be a person? What's it mean to be a human? Not even human, just a person. What's it mean to live? And I think the the negative part of comic books is maybe a little bit of it is the it's not real, and a lot of it is as well. I don't want to read, but for me the 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 turn off was I don't got time for this shit. It's not even like I don't have time to read. 
It's when do you have time to make up just to sit there and to look at these pictures? When do you realize what's what's the picture telling me? Because some like uh, Black Widow number one by Mark Wade didn't have any words at all, no explanation what's going on. It's just Black Widow. So how would I get my sister to read this? And actually, that would be a good one to go. Okay, just look at this. What did the you know the old adage of a picture says a thousand words? Yeah. Tell me what this is telling you. Well, it looks like she's jumping out of a helicarrier. Fuck straight. Yeah, she is. Way to go. You're using those eyes, right? <laughs> well, I mean, so, like, I do feel like you are touching a point that is true for most people. Not only is it time and trying to figure out, like, how to read the medium. Like, you have to, like, take a course just to figure it out. Uh, actually, for once, the job that I have now, part of it was, like, we had to do a presentation about, like, explain something to somebody. And I was going to come in and be like, hey, let me tell you how to read a comic book. Because I feel like most people do not know how to do. And it, you can try, but there's an intimidation being like, am I going to do it wrong? Am I going to do this right? I think that is, yeah, I think you're right. That's a speed bump. But also in terms of, like you were saying before, your sister, like, where do I start? Are you going to invest time mm-hmm. to figure out, like, what am I going to get? Because even, like, let's say a reader. There's some people who once they get out of high school, like, they never read again, right? They're not going to pick up a book. Those people don't read just because they find it a chore, right? They don't like reading. They're not going to do it. But there's some people who pass high school, still try to read, but really don't read as often as they wish they could. And I think I fall into that camp because I read a lot of comic books. And so, like, prose novels just I kind of fall by the wayside. I try to every once in a while read one. but And I feel like part of that also is, like, there's so many. What am I going to read? Mm-hmm. And am I going to invest the time in something that maybe I won't be into and uh, not get anywhere? So do you feel like both companies do enough to try to help people figure out how to read and what to read? Or is it something that you're kind of like, hey, I got to do research myself? How to read? No. What to read? They attempt at it. And unfortunately, it's the it's a reboot. It's never like a, a nice reboot. It's always the, well, we, we, we rebooted after issue 800 of Spider-Man. That actually may, maybe that's the wrong example because that actually probably is one of the best reboots. Literally, the story got taken back to basics. That's even what the first arc is called, Back to Basics. It gives you the introduction to who Peter Parker is without having to do the origin because let's face it, uh, everyone and their grandmother most likely knows how Spider-Man became Spider-Man. But then when you get into the, I guess even Rebirth was, I'm I'm struggling to figure out the best, the worst reboot that you could have. Because right now in Marvel, we're in a pretty decent reboot. Everybody's th- getting back into... Do you think they reboot for the most part because they're so confused on how to tell people what to read that they're like, hey, just start here. Like, we'll make it easy for you. We're going to restart it ourselves. Rather than be like, hey, here's how this works and like explaining... Because they, I think they feel like their universe is convoluted and yeah. sometimes it gets too confusing. So by just restarting the whole thing and be like, hey, this is where you start, that's easier than be like, hey, here's how comics work. But the only problem is that when they do claim to restart, it's still not restarting. For the fact that much, um, here, Jason Aaron's Thor. This book has been going on for five years, but it's been 12 different titles. Yeah. But it's all the same story. It's still. Do you think it's more the, confusing then? I think it's more than confusing. just explaining how it works. I've, I've even read it, and I'm still <laughs> fucking confused. I'm, I've read the last eight different titles of Thor. I've been there when it was Odin's son, lost the hammer, went to Jane Foster for four or five years. Now we're back to Odin's son having a hammer, not the hammer, but a hammer with a fucked up arm. And I don't know what's going on. And maybe that's a little bit on me being a little jaded 
from what I've read, that we're getting all these new reboots. And a, a big thing for a reboot is get a different writer. Get a different team. Get a new, fresh perspective where Thor, we haven't. Spider-Man was written by Jan, by Jan, by Dan Slott for so many years that it started to get Ten redundant. Years. Ten years. It had been so redundant. I've already read the same story 12 times. There's only so many times Green Goblin can come back before eventually you need to kill a character off. And I know that's actually one gripe that I've had, and that's as a, not a pro by stakes. any means. There's stakes. Yeah. What's at stake in a book? Who is dead? Who stays dead? That Valhalla issue of Jane Foster, and I realize I don't mean to be picking on Jason Aaron. Actually, I, I love Jason Aaron's books. Most of his books are pure gold for me. I am a little, uh, been beaten down by that uh, Mjolnir too many times. <clears throat> you get that Valhalla issue, and it just, we thought she was going to die. And I was like, oh my God, this book is going to be so good. Jane Foster's actually got some stakes on the line. When she's gone, what happens? Well, she doesn't die. She's like, ah, oh, <laughs> we joshing you. You're going back to Earth. What let the hell? Me, let me ask you uh, this question, and we also tie it into um, one of our final questions here. So, with movies, Somebody who goes and sees James Bond, right? Shit. Uh, but they, let's go say they, they go see the newest James Bond movie. Yep. Or they saw Skyfall. Let's say they go see Skyfall. Good one. Okay. Yes. I'll, I'll agree with that. Spectre? No. Do you, how come for movies, people are more apt to be like, hey, let me go watch this movie. But for comic books, they're, they're not really able to jump in. Like for movies, they're like, think about it from this thing. Uh, Indiana Jones. I bet you a bunch of people saw Indiana Jones out of order. They didn't start with Raiders probably. They probably saw one of the other ones, and they're like, hey, what is, is this more of these? And they went back and read them, I mean, watched them. But why for comics? They're like, where do I start? I got to start right at the beginning. So when you do, it's a good question. A lot of it actually is now, and when you say movies, when I say James Bond, who do you think of first? Do you actually think of James Bond, or do you Sean think Connor. of Daniel Craig? Sean Connor. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I was thinking of Pierce Brosnan first. I used to. But then we, he was always the staple. Me and the twins went back and watched them all. And I think Sean, no, Roger Moore has more movies, I think. But Sean, I mean, there's some good movies in Sean, Sean Connery area. So, like, like, the first, here, and I'm 100% honest, the first thing that comes to mind is Dr. No, is he's at, uh, I think he's at a poker table playing. And that's the first thing when you say James Bond, the first thing that pops in my head. Hmm. So, that scene. So, I was going to say, for me, it's the. I mean, he was called. When you, when you talk about movies, I always think of that who's playing who. When I say Captain America, I only think of Chris Evans. And obviously, other than the movie back in the 90s or late 80s, Chris Evans is all I've ever known of Captain America. And that's that. Do you think people saw the new Star Wars and they ever seen Star Wars before? Okay, Star What about What about uh, these Marvel movies? Because, uh, I mean, you went back with your wife and watched them all, right? Mm-hmm. So before that, had she just seen random ones? What was the deal? Yeah, she'd only... And I mean, unfortunately, my, my brother-in-law... Not unfortunately, but my brother-in-law likes these movies. But he's not necessarily as big of a fan as I am of them. I also sat down and was like, okay, I want to know what what movie came up first. I want to watch them in the order well, that they got released. Because the right order would have been Captain America, First Avenger would have been first. And then I believe Captain Marvel probably would have been second. Yeah, anyway, release date. But in the release date... I wanted to watch them all. I wanted to know how the story does progress, how these characters grew to know each other, or at least hear of each other. Um, actually, when my wife and I went to go see Winter Soldier, much like the spoiler was that I said on here that Bucky was Winter Soldier, she didn't know that. 
And so I'm sitting there holding her hand, and I'm I I'm kind of an aggressive movie watcher. I will jerk and move when fighting happens. So I'm holding her hand and I'm squeezing it super tight because I'm getting excited watching this movie. And I go, "Oh, that's Bucky Barnes." She goes, "What?" So then at the end of the movie, I told her that, "Oh yeah, I knew that was Bucky Barnes." How'd you know? Because I've read the comic books. Now that's a lie. I haven't actually read Winter Soldier. You know Winter Soldier, but I know who the Winter Soldier was. And so for me, that's. She likes these movies because I like these movies. She's actually read a handful of comic books. She's actually read Sex Criminals with me. She was reading a couple of the Wonder Womans, I think, with me. But it's not one of those things that she Do you think they're more apt to jump into a movie because it's like two hours of your life, and if they don't know what's going on, they'll just shut it off? Yes, but I also think it's just the character that you can get. I mean, the the movie star that you know. It's like like you and I getting into a Jeff Lemire book. I know the writer, so I know it's going to be good. Um, It's Chris Evans. That's a handsome man. I know he's good in most of his movies. Or it's Scarlett Johansson. Oh, man, I loved her in a movie that she you was in. You know what? You are probably when, uh, pretty correct because I, when I used to work at the movie theater back in the day, of 2006. Of course. Uh, when I used to work at the movie theater, people would do it all the time. They would go to the movie. We had this book up front that said what the movies are about, who were in them, a little picture of the poster. And people would flip through there and be like, Oh, Hugh Jackman. I like Hugh Jackman. Let's go see that. Oh, you know what I the like movie this was? person. Wolverine. It was it was it was uh X-Men Origins Wolverine. Because I was gonna tell you that, that that is probably the one character the one actor over any other actor that I could tell you, hey, do you know who Wolverine is? No. Do you know who Hugh Jackman is? Well yeah. Okay, he plays Wolverine. Oh they have no shit they have no clue who Wolverine is. But they know who Hugh Jackman is. Let's face it. It's a handsome man, though. <laughs> but that, to me, that's when you say a movie, that's the first thing that comes to mind. It's not about the character anymore. It's about who is playing that character. When you say James Bond, Daniel Craig is who comes to mind. Or I if, see where if, you're going if with I this. Just okay. Elba, if I just Elba does pick up to be the next James Bond, yeah, that's who people are going to think of. They're not going to think of James Bond, generic character. You're right. I man mean, licensed to kill. When we look at movies a lot of times, I'm like, who's in that movie? And you guys will... A lot of times we're like, oh, yeah, I like that guy. I'll go see it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a good observation. So, I mean, that's why I had this interview, uh, Larry King Live here. Uh, final question. This is the thinker. We're going to end on a thinker. And uh, I'm going to bring it to a very uh, – uh, it's a question that you can answer off the cuff or you can really think about this because it's a very good possibility that, I mean, we're recording these and they're out in prosperity forever as long as the internet will exist. Or as long as our podcast her, uh, server... Actually, by the way, it spreads. It'll be out there until the internet's gone. Hey. So let me ask you. Uh, and uh, we don't have to get too deep about this. I don't need crying, Alex. <laughs> but let me ask you. Uh, 15 years from now, your daughter's listening to this. And she gets into comic books and you want to tell her, hey, read this book. What book are you going to tell her to read? She's 15. So it's not like... It's, she's not too young. She's 15's high school, right? Freshman? Yeah, 15. Freshman night school. So you're telling her, hey, I want to recommend a book to your daughter. There's a book that comes to mind that is a uh, is one that Marvin had told me in the past to be. It's a hard one to read. And I honestly, I think depending on how mature my daughter is, maybe how much she likes to read, or if is this her first comic book that she's read? She's into it, and she and she's... 
That's what I'm saying. At, at a time, this exists on the internet. She's into it so much. She's, you were like, hey, you know, I, uh, we, and she's heard the show. We've been doing the show for 15 years, 18 years. At that Shit, point. way to go us. And we, <laughs> and she's like, hey, I want to start listening to the show and hear my dad talk about comic books because I really like them now. And you're going to tell her right now, like, what book? She, so she's into it. She's not like brand new. What do you recommend? Be like, hey, you should read this. Honestly, probably a day tripper. I think that's one of those books that really does have the whole package. Excuse me. That wasn't me getting choked up. That's me got <laughs> having to burp. I was going to say, you brought a day tripper last time we cried in that show. I, so. Yes, but I that book was so fresh that when we were talking about it. That, so for that show, he cries. Yes, show, I, so. I did cry. And that was actually one I literally did. He actually cry. did cry about you too. So. Um, but that's one of those books that really does have that that heartfelt thing. And that's and I think that's why it made me so sad was that you have this this main character thinking about life in general. And it's not just about his own death, it's about his father's death and how does you know how does life move on from there? That's a tough book, and that's one of those books that I would hope that my daughter could read and be like, Dad, I want I want to feel that way. Like, it's weird to want to feel, you know, people like to watch horror movies because they like to get that scare. I don't like being scared. <coughs> Even though I heard you're a tough man. But I am a tough man. I'm a, I'm a badass. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you want to feel. I, but I am one of those guys that some days, you know what you want? You want a good cry. You want to feel, feel some vulnerable. Yeah. And you want to have that, that internal thought process. And that, for me, there's. There's nothing else that you can think about in your life that is that is always on its way. There's always an arrow on its way to you to kill you. Whether it actually literally be an arrow, death is always around the corner. Well, um, and as you find out in the book, yeah, I was gonna say, it doesn't matter. You could be young, you could be old. Natural causes, car accidents, electrocution. It 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 will happen some way or another. And I think that's one of those things that if you, you know. I feel like that book is also a little inspiring in its message of, you know, you could die any day, but it, not really in the terms of being morbid like that. It's like, why wouldn't you take a chance? Why wouldn't you live your life the way you want to live it? Because literally today could be your last day. And not in terms of making poor choices, in terms of what you want to do with your life, what's the danger in trying? I think if I was to go for a book that wasn't even more serious and was just a a fun book, and it dep- I guess depends on what my daughter likes. If she likes Batman, I would I'd probably suggest to her my favorite, the holiday classic, Long Halloween. Long Halloween. That's a book that I I could read every year and not get sick of. That's a book that I think gives you that that great feel for detective work and to see. Bruce almost struggle, and actually, I think on, on Tom King in general. Now I'm just moving away from. I'm getting into books in general. Tom King. If I was looking to have a writer, it'd be Tom King or a Jeff Lemire book, a book that actually has stakes, that actually has an end game or a. Um, it makes you think because I think that's what I'm getting into books now. It's less about the blatant. Here's what's going on. I like getting to think about it, and that's what makes this show so amazing. Is that the three of us, Garrett, Marvin, and myself, have three ways of looking at things. Right, Garrett? Of course. He's Silent. Like Silent. He's a good, good listener. <laughs> I mean, there's there's you know the logical ways of things to think about, or there's the extraordinary ways to think, or there's just the abstract. And there's so many things, that, and that's what I think comic books do so well, is that it's meant to be, how do you read it? 
Because somebody's going to read Day Tripper the first time I read it. Didn't cry. I was like, I'm a bad motherfucker. Watch out. Second time? Second Papa's crying. Papa's crying. I'm, I'm teary-eyed. Uh, I will agree on that. I think I actually said that on our episode called Day Tripper. When Quebec, that was one of the uh, one of the comics, League of Extraordinary Gentle People's book club book, um, that every time I read it, because I've read it like three or four times, I was in a different point in my life. And now reading it, I get a different perspective than when I read it the first two times, one of the first three times. So it's a great book. And my, my, good, two strong choices. And my thought would be when my daughter does read it, hopefully I'm reading it with her. So I'm having that again as a older dad reading this book. She's having it as a young, a young child, a child, a daughter reading this book. And yes, the main character is a boy, but that has no, gender has nothing to do with it. You always have the same, same feeling. Providing she likes, who knows? Maybe she'll want to kill me. And like, huh, great idea, Dad. Give you a heart attack. Uh, and also, if David Hoover, friend of the show, is to this, you owe me my long Halloween back. You had it for like two years. Wednesday Comics six hundred five at gmail.com. That's the email address. Let us know what you uh, maybe send us some questions next time we do uh, Larry King Live Part Two with Alex. You can ask him some questions. Uh, go to the audience. Oh, sorry. Uh, Twitter. At Wednesday Comics, at Alex Pastrello, at Marvin underscore Saguero. Follow The Invisible Woman at Karat2188. Uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Wednesday Comics Podcast. Make sure to like the page, share the page with your friends over this holiday. Go in, you know, when you're over at Grandma's house, having that nice, sweet apple pie. You're having a nice, sweet turkey. Uh, when she's preparing it, they're setting the table. You get on the computer. Eat that turkey heart. You go to Wednesday Comics Podcast on Facebook and you like the page. Guess what? Grandma's getting some news. Um, YouTube, find us on YouTube. Uh, I will uh, apologize. There was no gauntlet last week and no gauntlet this week because uh, Garrett decides that he hates you guys and he doesn't want to give you any gauntlets. So I <laughs> know uh, he's been, uh, last week he, what happened last week? Oh, no, the snowstorm. Oh, we were out yeah. commission. And then this week he went hunting and I had a little conflict. So we pushed it back a couple of days. Not his fault. Uh, but we'll come back probably. Who knows? Maybe I'll give you a little extra video content. Maybe I'll do it. Who knows? I say maybe when we do the gauntlet, we can we'll increase it to four books each to make up for the past. 605-215-1849. So you leave a voicemail. Leave us a voicemail. Let us know what you think. What book would you recommend if you're a new father, your your son or daughter is uh, less than uh, two years old? What are you going to tell them to read in 15 years? Let me know. Uh, Wednesday Comics League of Historian Gentle People's Book Club probably presents. Oh, shit. It's me. Saga of the Swamp Thing, Volume 2. That is Saga of the Swamp Thing by Alan Moore, Volume 2. Make sure to pick that up. Uh, We will be reviewing it or talking about it the first week of January. January 4th. So send your voicemail, 605-215-1849, WednesdayComics605 at gmail.com, or uh, Facebook or Twitter. Send us your messages. Uh, John Boylan will be here. We'll be uh, cracking open that Swamp Thing and examining him, the anatomy of a body. Tubulars. Uh, speaking of which, RootsOfTheSwampThing.com, your definitive online source for all things Swamp Thing. Make sure to go there and pre-order Holland Files number three. This is the third uh, issue of Holland Files. Um, so make sure to go and pre-order that before it runs out. At DC World Swampy on Twitter, that's his Twitter handle, Facebook.com slash RootsOfTheSwampThing for more information. Uh, speaking of which, well, I just reminded, I should probably make myself a little reminder uh, I got a deadline, baby, coming mm-hmm. up. End of November, I got to write that one. I was just going to ask you if you... Ooh. Well, John. We'll get that I didn't forget. I'm just, that's just a joke, John. I didn't forget. I got it. Subscribe to the show. Like I said, you're at grandma's house. Say, what? guess what? Everybody give me your phones. They don't know what's going on. You go to iTunes. Turn you go to Google Spanish. Play. You go to Stitcher Radio. You go to Spotify. Whatever they have on their phone. 
You go to Wednesday Comics, subscribe to the show. We're going to be bringing news to all your friends and family. We're going to get them over that hump of the scare of comic books. We're going to get them started. And then, guess what? Next thing is Thanksgiving, y'all be talking about Batman. What, what, why wouldn't you like that? Talk about Tom King? Your grandma's going to be like, hey, you guys read Tom King? And you're like, oh, who's this? Holy shit. Holy shit, Granny. <laughs> Grammy's, Granny's like, hey, I heard about this Day Tripper book. I read it. Fantastic. I cried. And she said, Batman Long Halloween. I read that. You read the sequels? And you're like, oh, she said, I haven't, Grand. She said, Dark Factory. Um, <laughs> have, uh, this is the last, uh, we have a show next week, Thanksgiving show that we pre-recorded. It's about the turkey day. Uh, I, God, why did I say that? I hate that so much. Gobble, uh, gobble. Thanksgiving. We have a Thanksgiving show. And that'll be coming out on Thanksgiving. So it's the last show before Thanksgiving that we'll have the ability to say. Uh, Not true. We'll still have the forecast coming out. Nah, you're right. Um, just don't want people to be getting too sad. Just me and you hear that mean though. So, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Eat that turkey. What does it have in it that makes you sleep? Tryptophan. 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 Uh, make sure you eat the tryptophan in the list of Wednesday comics on that day. We'll have it out there for you. Then go out there and, uh, if you want to, brave the uh, retail stores and get some, uh, goodies. Next day, you just settle in with some of that leftovers. You get a nice turkey sandwich, put a little mustard on there. It's nice and mm. delicious. Yeah, a little side of cranberry sauce and potatoes. Maybe some corn. Oh, buddy. You hear the our show on uh, Thursday, and you'll know that I love corn. So, uh, <laughs> Also, by the way, go to our Twitter and Facebook page, and you can get Wednesday Comic shirts, gear. Uh, it will be on sale on Black Friday. So if you're hearing this and you want a good deal, that'll be the day to buy it. So make sure to support the show. Buy a shirt. And wear it outside, and the people will be like, who are those three on your shirt? And be like, hey, keep turning those pages. That's what you tell them. Like, what are you talking about? What? And he's like, hey. Listen to the show. Listen, give me your phone. <laughs> <laughs> For Wednesday Comics, I've been Marvin. I'm Alex. He's Garrett. Hey, everyone. Keep turning those pages, and happy Thanksgiving.